0: Episode 14 of Down the Track. Sean Whipp, we're going to talk all things Australian National Championships. We are back here
1: to review and, I guess, uh, hypothesise as to what the uh, sort of biggest week of domestic athletics means for the season going forward. Yeah, I reckon we've got a lot to talk about. Um, There is a bit. We'll try and keep it in a nice sort of event broken up. Section of segments. So, if anyone wants yep. to sort of click through and, and find their, you know, their sprints or their jumps or their distance, they should have uh, or throws.
0: They yeah, should we have are adding plenty. that to the uh, the preview of the each of the events or what, uh, each of the podcasts. Now, you will see that there's a timeline of mm. uh, what you can if you're interested in a particular elements. So, just of go through. straight to that. And yep. today, though, we've got a lot to talk about. So, we're gonna do the sprints. We're gonna do some uh, individual segments. So, Celeste Mucci, uh, what are championships for her, Sean. So, we're gonna we've got a couple of interviews with Celeste. So, we're gonna go into that. Also, the Women's 800 is going to be a focus event for us to talk about. It was a stunning event, and Katrina Bissett, as we know from the weekend, just gone, has just gone to that next level mm. as well. Cassidy Bradshaw, we're going to do a little yeah, bit that. Yeah, just that whole pocket of pole
1: vault that is just yeah.
0: powering through all of Australia, really. Yeah, and we've got a nice little piece with Morgan Mitchell too, so mm. that's going to come through later in the episode. So, look, it's... Also, I think we're going to get stuck into some of the controversy over that weekend, or well. sorry, that week. Uh, there were some things that were great about that championship, but also a few things that just stand out that, in my mind, were not great and far from great. And let's, we'll have a discussion about that as we go through. So Should episode be fun, Tim. <laughs> 14, it's going to be a big one. So let's start. Men's Sprint, the 100 Blue Ribbon event. It was an exciting race, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the the way that week
1: works for anyone that's not familiar is often the junior program obviously precedes the senior program, and the senior events start to get mixed in probably from Thursday onwards. And there's a there's a very different sort of vibe that the warm up track takes, and the the you know the event itself, and the I guess you have an informed crowd. Whilst it might not be very big, everyone was aware of the various storylines that had surrounded the hundred and, and how exciting it was for Australian men and women to be in this purple patch of having you know a, a Browning and a, and a Nara Nang both running incredibly quick times before the meet. So, uh, and you know, th- there was definitely a lot of speculation as to how each of those
0: athletes would manage three rounds. One of the palpable things, though, for both the men's and the women's event was the silence at the start of the final. no it, oh, it, it was, was amazing, it was
1: phenomenal. Yeah. I think, even for you know, what a lot of people are very quick to who was an event that might not be so well attended and and, you know maybe that's a a much broader question with the state of australian athletics but myself personally i was standing at the end of the 100 meter straight um i think i was standing there with um a couple of guys waiting for the 800 and there was a game of rugby being played behind at anz stadium and as the guys got called to their mark and you know the starter said on your marks set you could have heard a pin drop like you actually heard the roar from the crowd you know far away at ANZ Stadium and that was that was it it was crickets it was yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really really phenomenal
0: all right the race itself though what a race
1: yeah I, I think as we saw through both the heats and the semis um Eddie and Keita sort of just kept nudging that well, we actually you know PB in the semi but he didn't seem to be phased or fatigued by that process there, there are a lot of guys in that say, let's sort of say top 10 of Australian sprinting where, you know, the heats can be a little bit of a problem. You've got to be able to get yourself through a heat in a semi and expend as little energy as possible and you have that short turnaround between the semi and the final and you still need to be mentally and physically fresh to, you know, take on what is one of the most loaded fields we've had, had in the 100 for a while. So we had Eddie and Keita taking... Yeah, what was a probably the biggest win of his career um, for for a 17-year-old guy in a, in
0: 1022. Yeah, so it's not a rapidly quick time is it, but what I took out of the start was just how powerful Browning was. He was just so strong. Yeah, and I, hold.
1: and yeah. similarly people pointed that out in I think the it might have been the semi where Eddie ran 1019. Now, yeah, you know, obviously he's Citizenship and who will run for is something we'll get to, but you know he's run 10 19 in the semi, and and he was sort of uh, I think it might have actually been the heat where he was out wide in lane nine, and someone made the joke that they need to patch up lane nine because the the power that these guys get down the track with, you know, for what is such a short period of time is you know something that even if you don't understand the times related to athletics is is really exciting to
0: see from from the track side. Yeah, look, so it was a great win by Nikita. Yep. Now Browning in second, Hale in third, then Trey Williams, all of them getting the. Oceania mark which is also quite exciting so a bit of an issue here for the selectors to (laughs) what what that term but then again we've got the issue of Nikita and his nationality so he's coming up on our results here as ACT but he has just taken out two national championships. He's taken out New Zealand and he's taken out Australia's.
1: Yeah so from what I understand and and we're always more than happy to be corrected because often you know we work from a number of different sources and it can be a bit tough getting a definitive answer especially given you know Eddie didn't really want to be led into many questions on the topic. Um, If anyone watched the live stream I think he gave a one word, don't know, to Tams and Lewis and and wandered off. Um, But he, he has been on scholarship in Wellington, I believe, at a, at a secondary school over there for the last year. Um, obviously, his background is that his dad is the national record holder for New Zealand in the 100 um, and coaches him um, and his younger brother. Um, so he's been based in New Zealand. Um, and there was a rule, I think, instituted for the track classics this season where you had to compete. Um, it was either to do with... I, think, I don't think it was to do with domicile, but more to do with um, strict sort of nationality in the sense that Eddie could have gone to world under 20s last year for Australia, but he doesn't have an Australian passport. I believe he has a New Zealand passport. Right. Um, well, that's a big issue. Yeah, so the, so the hardest thing is if you want to represent Australia, often, of course, the underpinning selection criteria is that you need an Aussie passport. Australian. Yeah, you gotta, you got to <laughs> prove citizenship. Um, so, yeah, there was sort of this weird early season phase where New Zealand were more than happy to give Eddie these these junior national records and, you know, that, that question has been brought up, you know, who does he run for? Um, and in the longer interview he gave post-race to the sort of waiting media, it was, yeah, it, it won't be long until you see me in a, in a black jersey. Yeah, so
0: well, that makes sense because, you know, I I don't think there's any compelling reason why he's going to switch allegiance right here.
1: Yeah, the the only flip side of that, I guess, was Joseph Miller, who represented uh, New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games and the World Champs in the 200, um, had an interesting article, I think, in in the New Zealand Herald this week, where, if anything, he encouraged Eddie to run for Australia.
0: For for relay programs?
1: Yeah, so he said, look, in New Zealand, he felt, as someone who'd been in their sprint program for a while, you were never going to get the depth to make a relay final, to maybe push for a relay medal. Whereas if you look at Eddie in his, I guess, status... In Australia, you know, he's the, the leading relay guy. You put him together with
0: Hale Browning, Williams,
1: Hartman, Doran, Branco. any of those guys. Exactly,
0: because looking down the listing, you've got Doran there uh, in sixth position in 40, 1040, and then Hartman 1046 in seventh. So, yeah, you know, the dev look, those times aren't stellar, but they're pretty decent. And uh, Yeah, for, for what, what was the
1: third round, yeah. yeah, you've got guys, yeah. the whole final under 1050, which, yeah. and again you could probably look back and pick finals out where there were differences or greater depth but for what has been a little bit lacking lately um, you know this emergence of Browning with what was basically a perfect conditions perfect competitor run in yep. Brisbane um, you know 2.0 tailwind yep. sub 10 guy in the lane next year he rose to the occasion and yep. he posted an incredibly quick
0: time in 10.08. But as we know with relay programs you don't necessarily have to have the best of the best if you're a good relay squad you can still rise above the yeah. limitations of yeah. the time.
1: Yeah my favourite harpon ever is the fact that the japanese relay team got silver in rio and ran sub 38 seconds in both the heat and their final and had zero guys under 10 seconds at the time of running so you know uh, the question is more whether you can get those australian guys in a camp environment or in a yep. practiced environment for a long period of time before a major do you know what the vibe is
0: between those guys is
1: um, the look and, and y- i can only really speculate outside of the guys who have come through in the same age group so as i understand it hale and browning and williams and those guys are, are pretty cordial they, they don't I, yeah, no one seemed to suggest that they were best mates but yeah, there they didn't it seem on. to be any animosity and, and eddie's pretty new and everyone seemed to sort of congratulate him after the yeah. race like browning obviously looked quite frustrated after the race you know you've got this sort of big target on your back now that you're the sub 10 10 guy yeah. um and i think williams has had a couple of niggles in the lead up and he had his his um sort of achilles ankle area strapped pretty heavily but um yeah no i've it doesn't strike me as a team that would have any issues in being a very sort of cohesive relay team and sort of the social media back and forth between um, Hartman and a lot of the guys. You know, obviously he's more of a 200 guy, but it was, was very positive. So, you know, that's right. obviously what you want to see in a relay group.
0: All right, well, let's see where that goes. But it was a compelling final. Nikita, I think, surprised <coughs> quite a lot of people. Uh, surprised. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I don't think anyone expected him to be that strong through three rounds. Yeah, nah,
0: that was a good event. Now, women's 100, that was also quite a big result there. and Ang what do you say about Na? Yeah,
1: you you get, you know, she drops that huge time in in Brisbane and people say, oh, okay, it was once off, you know, she's she's a long jumper, stick to that sort of thing. but you can't argue with 11.32 for the win. You know, no. she's repeatedly run 11.4 or faster. Um, and we, we don't have anyone doing that regularly. No. You know, sure, Brain and Pearson and those sorts of names have posted quicker times historically. Um, but both, um, you would know, have no issue with people pointing out they're definitely at sort of later stages of their career. And it's, it's a risk for them to run, you know, super regularly or for Pearson in that case to try and run the flat event a lot.
0: You know, obviously she's trying to get through to Tokyo and yeah, yeah we will talk about the 100 hurdles mm. a little bit later but um, you wouldn't necessarily circle Sally's name as being someone who might be appearing here in relay squads and things so yeah I know she's in the relay pool effectively and I, and I think a lot of that is you know the
1: fact that she has an invaluable level of experience yeah, at major champs so yeah, for those port a very young relay team yeah. um, and then yeah the, I guess the other I wouldn't maybe go as far as revelation but definitely something that spiced up Australia has been the inclusion of Zoe Hobbs you know coming over from New Zealand yeah. and racing regularly, because she's dragged through or, you know, made people rise to the occasion in a lot of comps.
0: That's right. Um, So, she 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 came second?
1: Yeah. So, so she took second in 1144. Um, Maddie Coates. Yeah. Maddie Coates was someone who had had, I guess, maybe the last two months, had had a, a bit of a period of time where she didn't appear to be training as much or had had, had some injury worries. Um, yeah, definitely bounced back. for It was a, a really stellar
0: weekend for her. It was, and Riley Day then in the next position, then Nana, was a free uh, mm-hmm. um, one of our very favourites in 11-7, yeah. she took um, uh, that's a decent fifth for Nana. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you sort of look further down the list and you know, total Weasel's there in sixth from Papua New Guinea but um, Christy Edwards is another one that's sort of straight out of the junior program too. Um, and I know Brittany Burkett was disappointed in ninth with her run, um, but is also someone who has, you know, I guess cemented themselves as someone who makes a national final and challenges and, you know, unless you have a bad also day like champion. that. state champion. So, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: she can run. And, yeah, I think Brit wasn't happy with that performance. That was mm. the vibe everyone was getting. And, yeah. You know, maybe yeah. just things just, you know, it happens. I guess that's the hardest
1: thing, you know. Neither you or I are, are, are well-versed sprint experts, but, uh, you know, trying to move it anywhere from... 9.5 to 11 metres per second is a completely different world and, you know, maybe there's a bit more art to that than science at times and yeah. how you get your season right. And, you know, hopefully we see this whole also group like the of... it's day-to-day stuff, you know. Yeah.
0: She might not have been totally 100% well. You yeah, like... Well, yeah, I mean, you Imagine
1: that trying to go at that velocity. Oh, yeah, you're you you're dealing like, with an event where <laughs> you make any errors and, you know, your 10 to 11 seconds of movement are down the drain. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, no, it's well, a fascinating little I world. So
0: like I think we're still very, very proud of Britt Burke oh, because we saw her domestically in the Victorian season yeah. so, so well. Yeah, and hopefully for her, but gee, it doesn't mean that um, you know she's not a great performer, and we know she is.
1: Yeah, and with the World Relays coming up so soon, hopefully that is a, a pool
0: that we get to see trialed out. Yeah. Now, men's 200, Hartman—that's his specialty. He's come through and he's got the win there. We had three get the Oceania mark, and that was Doran in second, uh-huh. so in 2076. And then um, is that Abdulie? Abdulia Sim. Sim, and he's from New South Wales, and he got 2087. Don't know much about him, Sean. What do you know? Uh,
1: I believe, and, and I definitely—if I'm incorrect, I'll
0: really be um, i will happy to be
1: corrected—I think he's from the Speed City Group, um, who had a that's bit of an interesting week, week. <laughs> um, just some coaching stuff there. Ah, um, yes. Well, I don't think we'll touch on that. No, no. Well, that's, let's leave that. It, one. That's underway. That's, um, uh, that's a New South Wales issue. But it's also the fact that in that group, I think Branco has the time as well. Um, so it's it's. It's a very lively group for 200. Um, and I think for Hartman, that was his fifth national title. Yeah, good fourth him. or fifth,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, look, and he, I suppose he's sort of now one of the, the senior citizens of that bunch, you know, yeah. Uh But just consistent, isn't he? He's a consistent performer in that too. Jack Hale, though, fourth. Down as a Tasmanian there, wearing his Essendon kit. Um, <laughs> 2093, what do, you, what do you think about... Or what would Jack be thinking about that 200?
1: Well, yeah, and again, it's, it's hard to not speculate. Because we're a podcast, we're not, you know, personal coaches, but it's got to be tough because, you know, he's he's come through that sort of, that golden little age group with Williams and Hale and, oh, sorry, himself, of course, and and Browning, and... You know, all of them look for that that big jump. You know, you you're sub ten fifteen or you sub ten ten. And and Jack has PB this season over the hundred. Whilst yep. it's only been small, you know, we, we always talk about that accumulation of consistent results. And you know, does um, does he move more to the two? Does he focus on the one?
0: You know, I guess yeah, he'll it, have. It's big questions, isn't it? Because watching that race, mm. I don't think in my mind Jack was never really a player in that that two hundred.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it is. It's a it's a hard sort of way he runs the race in the sense that He's usually um, quite a high-cadence sort of sprinter. So, if, if he doesn't really get the start right, and I know it's a it's a broad generalisation, if anybody doesn't get the start right in the 100, it's a very difficult event to be good at. But it, it's not as if he has, like, a, an enormous second half of the race. No. Um, so, if he's not, you know, rapid out of the blocks, and that was something that, you know, Williams is very good at as well, and in the national final did sort of briefly have the lead there because he was so explosive over the first 40. But, you know, I guess, especially leading into Tokyo as well, you wonder, you know, do you, do you keep with the hundred? Do you think, you know, is your training going well enough that you know you've got something else there, or do you focus more on the two? You know, do any of these guys go, hey, maybe I could match it at the four? You know, is that far too short a turnaround for a Tokyo or something? You know, there's there's a lot of questions there, but I think similarly, it'll be very interesting to see what the final composition of that relay group is for Yokohama.
0: Yeah, because, you know, he wasn't that far behind a sim who got the bronze, Mm. and there actually is quite a gap then between him and Branko in the next position. Um, So that's, you know, he, he Years in this or well, in that race in particular, he was well ahead of Branco and then Kavanaugh So
1: yeah, and I'm, I'm I guess I'm biased with uh, with, with Zane, but um, you know Jack has had a frustrating time with wind gauges in the sense that he did run twenty sixty three down in Geelong. Uh, late last year but there was no wind on it Mm. so there's always just that sort of hovering question mark there that yes he's definitely quick over 200 but you know was it windy yada 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 yada. similarly if we flip back to last year's 200 meter final all these guys ran very fast sort of like sub 21 second times including branco and hartman into a two meter headwind Mm. so you know branco's fifth at world juniors 2068 you know you've got a guy who's been under 21 seconds more than 10 times at the age of 19 it's like a selective nightmare really it's yeah. like how do you formulate a relay team how do you you know i guess the and the big thing that sits there for aussies is you know it's still not an individual qualifier so you've still got a lot of guys who are still trying to work down to that you know that world championship mark
0: yep. but we'll get a few through to oceanias and, and <clears throat> what a changing dynamic in australian athletics where oceanias now sit it used to be... It's the golden meat now. It's the if golden meat. It used to be for <laughs> club runners who wanted to pay a couple of thousand dollars to go to yeah, And Island. chuck a different yeah. kit on.
1: Yeah. Um, it was kind of like the, the B kit, and now yeah, it's well, the, the big deal. Um, and yeah, it is that golden goose. If you're not going to Oceania's, you best hope that you're going to run that extremely difficult takeout qualifier because otherwise it's just not
0: happening no it's getting harder all right let's go to the women's 200 zoe hobbs we mentioned her before being a nice addition to the australian scene is this the new zealander in this case she took maddie coates to a pretty good time and an oceania qualifier
1: yeah so 1.2 meter headwind for the girls in the two um and i think that race was really interesting because coates did I guess the the reverse of what we might see sometimes, but what is a, a very typical Maddie race in the sense that that second half was really really strong for her. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost as if once she gets a bit of time to unfurl those very long yeah, legs, yeah. um, she just starts absolutely raking people in. Um, and yeah, she as as we've sort of all seen some or hear in some interview footage and as we saw trackside, it was a it was a really emotional win for her.
0: Yeah, look, and I I really you know feel for Maddie because she had a hard time coming into this one, and mm. we're gonna hear from and now and you're going to hear a lot of that story and just wait for the end of this interview.
2: Congratulations on the win today, that's fairly exciting. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, it was um, pretty unexpected, I'm not going to lie, I mean I went into that race um, not knowing what to expect with the season I've had, injuries and everything that's happened, um, I was thinking I was going into that challenge a little bit unfit (laughs) but I thought, you know, what's the worst that can happen, get a bit of fitness out of it and I'm off to stall in a few weeks. (laughs) And also off to um, World Uni Games. Oh, I don't go to uni, so oh, Oceania Games. Oceania, yeah. Um, World Relays. Hopefully, we have got a relay team to take over there. I haven't haven't heard much about it, but um, hopefully, my performance last night proves it, through my spot in it. So hopefully, Japan would be awesome. <laughs> tell us a little bit about your year your injuries leading up to this event yeah so I'm um, been pretty lucky a pretty lucky athlete with the injuries that I've had leading up to comps and stuff I've been pretty much pretty much non-existent injuries um, and so I've had awesome prep leading up to pretty much every nationals in my life um, and just to have that upset leading into this Nationals, I was quite disheartened. Um, being a young athlete, young mind, I didn't really know how to take it. Luckily, my support group behind me believed in me, so gave me some faith in myself. But I had ITB syndrome in both my knees, um, which was quite um, excruciating. Um, I had it for about three months, and by the end, I was running on it, and it just kept getting a little bit worse to a point where my my physio was like, look Matt, it's not going to get any worse, but I was in that much pain while running that it just really messed up my form, I couldn't do as well as I wanted to, my acceleration was even worse than what it is, so I thought, you know, we really have to back this off if we want to go to nationals, so I've been in a pool for about two months, (laughs) Um, and that was, uh, went to Brisbane, I ran there, and I knew I had to work on my fitness uh, for two weeks, leading up to nationals, and just tried my, guts out like i just wanted it that badly um and to prove to everyone that i believe i'm a 200 meter runner i feel like i'm proving myself a lot that i i still believe i am a sprinter from for now on and what does it mean to you to get the national title be the australian champion Um, you just saying it
3: (laughs) from (laughs) south australia Obviously means a lot to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well-deserved with the, the lead-up you've had. Thank you. Yeah. All the Vicks are very proud of you. Thank you very much. And good luck with your enduring recovery you. and the rest of your season. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> so a lot of raw emotion there, Sean, from Medicoats. Yeah, and I, and I
1: think the hardest thing in athletics is, especially with the advent of social media, you know, it's, it's hard not to develop a very framed view of someone, or you know how they conduct themselves in what might be a collective ten minutes that you see someone for an entire year. And yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, you know, it's it's not a sport where we have a lot of people who are, you know, no, no one really is outwardly malicious or, or negative as a, as a competitor. Um, and I think sometimes we're just a bit quick to shoot down our own sort of up and comers. Um, and, you know, there probably is a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about and a lot of stuff that people go through that they don't feel they need to publicise or talk about. So, you know, whenever you see someone get what is a, I believe, a maiden Open National title, you know, that's that's enormous and that's, that's going to yeah. be a big impact on anyone.
0: And I think one thing she really did mention was the way that the support group had her had her back for that mm. whole time the, You know, things she's probably internalising That, you know, I'm never going to get there We haven't got much time to get ready for this meet mm. But the support group were the ones that just kept her on track And then, as we saw You know, winning that championship Meant so much to her Yeah, she got beaten in the race by a New Zealander yeah. But to win the Australian championship You know, for Maddie Coates was a, was a massive deal and, um, and hence the emotions came out And obviously that was the pent-up emotions Of the potentially doubting herself going into it Yeah, and I think everyone has that. I think a lot
1: of people get and this is across the events for the week. I think we saw a lot of people where, you know, we might see them, you know, at meets on social media and we think, oh, that person's pretty confident. Like, they must be, you know, really keen. There's you know, no concern, no doubt. But I think, yeah, all these top performers, you know, at some level, you know, there's a, there's a tiny level of doubt, especially if you're coming back off injury, you know, can I still do this at the same level? Am I still as good? Um, but to recap there, yeah, Zoe Hobbs was first in 23-42. Uh, Matty Coates was second in twenty three fifty, And Nana... Uh, Awusu
0: Afriyi took, well, second Australian third overall in 2364. That's great for And Nana, isn't it? yeah, and Chris. One Christi- two for Vicks up on the yep. Australian days, and we don't often see that in the sprints. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: and uh, Christy Edwards, the junior we mentioned before, who's now moving into Opens in
0: 2387. Yeah, so, you know, pretty solid performances. What do you think that means now for Nana as well? You, look, we've given Maddie a lot of time, and mm. she deserves it, but also Nana, you know, coming through here.
1: Yeah, well, she's got the, the World Uni time for the two and I think the one as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, World Unis is sort of the biggest meet you can get yourself to if it's not the Olympics or the or the World Champs. And, and often, depending on the event, it can be a, a pretty strong level of comp. Um, and that sort of does
0: place you well for a few runs overseas whilst you're there. So um, Relay team, though, would Nana be in the, the scope there for Relay?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. at the moment, I think a few people might have noticed on social media, there is a relay camp at the moment in Brisbane because World Relay is very soon. And I think up there is, if I forget anyone, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Coates, um, Christy Edwards, Nana, Na, Sally Pearson. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty yeah. packed yeah. house
0: up there. So it's a, oh, you know, I'm wrapped for Nana. Cool to team to, to get together. To yeah. get into that sort of thing. Yeah, because yeah. we've seen her for so long. Time, oh, and,
1: so it, and it was always, you know, always one of those juniors that was so... So good, um, and that's that's the tough thing making that jump,
0: yeah. And mm. you know, I'll say it out loud, just a lovely person, too. Spot on! All right, so 400 meters for men. Steve Solomon had a win there from lane eight, mm. lane nine, because oh, it was a nine lane track, wasn't it? I don't know where they plonked him, but yeah, well, they right didn't, they the didn't use lane one, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, he got the win in 45.99. Uh, Alex Beck, the Queenslander, was second in 46.31. Um, and we had a Korean visitor, Mo Ilhwan. He was second in, well, third in 46.54. Uh, so the third
0: Aussie was the youngster, Tyler Gunn, uh, in 46.62. Yeah, look, we, Lisa caught up with Steve and had a chat about this race and, and some of the things going on around that relay squad as well.
4: I was really happy with getting lane eight tonight. It uh, allowed me to really hone in on what I needed to do, and I'm very happy to open up in just under 46 seconds. So the times not really No, yeah, very much so. Like, I think it's—I might be wrong here—but it's my belief that it's harder to come into a race and, and as the champion or the favourite and to execute every time and. Although I've done it five times in the past, it always creeps in the back of your mind of, is this gonna be that time where it doesn't pan? And again, all the credit goes to my support network. I think that's the biggest thing that an experienced athlete can have, is the life support work network, and I'm very grateful for mine for getting me through the results tonight. And having done this, is this set up the new you do hits you've got the you know, the real pretty close up. Definitely, I think, I'm still in a very heavy training block right now because, I haven't had a lot of training because of this foot. And um, so I imagine that we'll probably go pretty hard right up until six weeks' time to World Relays, taper there with the guys, which I'm super excited about this 4x4. I'm really proud of the circuit. I mean, as hard as it was sitting on the sidelines of the whole domestic season and Nationals, like I was just so happy and I've got such a strong kinship with Alex Beck and to see him running so well this whole season and to see Tyler Gunn come out and make that first step towards the seniors. Hugely impressive. Ian Hapland coming out really in his first proper season of 400. Showing us that he's a strong runner who can perform in every given circumstance. I'm just really stoked about the opportunity that we have as a group. A young group, an inexperienced group. But a group that will probably carry all the way through to Tokyo.
0: So a good win there for Stephen. He, he adds something to the Australian domestic scene when he races, doesn't he? There's something yeah, he's a bit of a, about
1: him. he's a bit of a white whale. It's um, it, I guess it's tricky when you're, you know you're in that pocket where if you fit, you effectively win nationals at will. Uh, but the question more for him is, you know, I guess a lingering personal best in pretty extraordinary circumstances from 2012... Um, and how difficult it has been for him over those sorts of collegiate years he's had and transitioning to from Stanford to Duke and sort of finding success again and just staying healthy is, has, has sort of proved the hardest thing for him.
0: Yeah, and he's in a high achiever in everything he does yeah. as well. So juggling the demands of medical studies? So I think he was
1: for a while and then he ended up doing... Uh mm. It might have been an MBA or like a master's in something
0: yeah, business-related yeah, at Duke. He's no deal. He, no, he's no, a he's, a, he's a very bright individual by all accounts. Yeah, and yet again, uh, a lasting memory for me of Steve was, you know, hark back to the when we had the all-schools at Doncaster back. Yeah. That very controversial, wasn't it? The old yeah. Doncaster all-schools uh, yeah. back, oh, gee, that'd be nearly 10 years ago. I reckon it'd be
1: for maybe twenty. Twelve? or no 2011 yeah. maybe yeah, 11 or 10 old. yeah, yeah. a long
0: time ago a while ago but uh, off his own bat steve solomon wandered into the officials rooms at the end of it yeah and he's just said <laughs> we'll have to cut that bit so note <laughs> to nick music comes on Right, yeah, but a big takeaway for me about Steve Solomon was at that Doncaster all schools. schools where he wandered off his own volition into the officials' room and thanked all of the officials for mm. the work they'd done over that weekend. So what does that say about a guy? Oh, I, I
1: think he's someone that, yeah, obviously he's a very decent person and has a good set of manners and is appreciative of the fact that yeah, these week-long meets, or in all schools' case, you know, a multi-day meet really isn't possible by people who are largely voluntary and, and are there at their own expense.
0: Yeah. Now, Beck second, also gun there in fourth position, but third Oz. Uh, Steve is keen to have these guys on that team for the relay. He's excited about it. Yeah. Um, What about Beltrame, our own Victorian um, champion? Yeah,
1: God, he's come back from, you know, sort of being out of the sport for a little while and, you know, knocking off a very old PB in the domestic sort of Victorian season and then being able to back that up at nationals. And... No, I, I hope his age doesn't play against him and I, and I hope that he does get an opportunity in that relay group. Um, the hard thing, I guess, is we've already seen um, Solomon, Beck, uh, Gunn and Halpin, um, who ended up seventh just behind Beltrame. Eh? Um, we saw them put down a very fast time in, in Brisbane. Yeah, um hard to break in when, when they're... Prepared. Yeah, it is tough, but I guess the, the biggest place to show that form would be at Nationals and in beating someone who is ranked, you know, sort of ahead of you early on. Um, so fingers crossed. That's not much you know. in
0: it though between Beltrame help and Helpan there. No, 46.92 <laughs> to forty
1: six ninety four. Yeah. But I guess that's the name of the game in sprinting. You know, if you can, if you can get the dip on the line, that that pops you up the one spot, and that could be the difference in some
0: cases. All right, let's shift attention now to the women's four hundred. What happened?
1: Uh, in what was a relatively spicy week for uh the New South Wales spin- sprinter uh Bendero Boya. Uh, we hadn't seen a lot of her this season. Um, little bits and pieces um domestically. Um took the win pretty calmly in fifty two zero zero. Which is an Oceania qualifier. qualifier yep. Right. The
0: only and one to
1: get that. Yeah, and yeah, sort of did her bit and off she went. Um Caitlin Jones from Queensland was second in fifty.
0: 50- 3.20. Which is daylight basically, 1.2 over 400. Yeah. You,
1: that's a, yeah it. was, a, it, was a, it was a big gap. A leg ahead, basically.
0: Yep. Um,
1: I guess, interesting, you know, Annalise Ruby, she has uh, she had turf toe, which is a pretty American injury, really. It's okay. usually something NFL players get. It's basically if you keep jarring or repeatedly bumping or impacting your toe when it's basically your big toe when it's tilted upward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the reason it's nicknamed turf toe is because NFL players got it quite regularly when they were training on artificial surfaces and pressing up on their toes. Um, yeah, you have to have surgery. It's it's, it's like a really serious uh, condition because it's so sort the of... timing for analysts So not good, is it? Yeah, from what I understand, turf toe takes a really long time to get yeah, back into running so from because could, you have a long time in a boot and then a long time sort of walking again and then you get back into running. So, look... So, world well
0: champs would be...
1: I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure, but from what I've sort of heard or what I understand of the severity of the injury yeah that could be wow. sort of on hold so hopefully you know she can turn it around pretty quickly and, and he's usually a very positive supporter of you know was on social oh, yeah. media across the week and yeah. congratulating people so awesome obviously she's trying to stay very positive throughout um, and then in third we had Angeline blackburn who's a little bit of a blast from the past did make i think a world youth team or a world junior team and then had a fair bit of time off the sport um, 1989 born she got the
0: win- she got third in 5336. Right, so the, for the Victorians we had uh, Gurley Nance there, you know, she's having a good season But sixth and, uh, in that field uh, Just behind her was Ella Connolly and then mm-hmm. Kendra Hubbard Rounded out the, uh, the field in eight In mm. 54-78 So with boyer though, you know, we've sort of Touched on a little bit some of the controversy I did hear an interview with her post we had, mm. We're not going to play that in this podcast But it was basically just a whole raft of No comments
1: Yeah, and I guess the hardest thing, even if you look at this very objectively, is that the way legislation works in Australia with ASADA is that the information surrounding anyone of interest is not supposed to be released at all. And I think personally that's the way it should be. You know, the hardest thing in this sport is conjecture, basically. And he said, she said versus, you know when we don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, it is very difficult. So I think you know we'll have to wait and see what Athletics Australia and ASADA make of um, her coach Greg Smith's situation at current um, and see how that pans out really, because that's a that's a very big training group in New South Wales and a very talented training group. So I guess we'll just have to
0: watch that space. Certainly will. So Sean, at the end of the week of activities, do you think Celeste Mucci would have been a happy person? I think um, maybe
1: slightly mixed emotions in the sense that the HEP went well-ish and that it's always thrilling, you know, to win an Open national title. Um, But at the same time, she pulled off a double that hadn't been seen since the days of Jane Fleming in the
0: Open HEP and Open 100-metre hurdles. Yeah, and probably... total surprise in the 100-metre hurdles, Yeah, you know, irrespective of Sally Pearson not running the mm. final or not, you probably wouldn't have thought that Celeste was going to take that with Janicky and, and various others in the field.
1: Yeah, not entirely, and given how close the final was between herself, Brenna Behan, and Jeniki, uh Celeste took the win in thirteen zero nine to BN's 13 one and Jenneke was third in
0: 13-1-2. So... It was close. A grand total. It was a very exciting race, wasn't it? Oh,
1: yeah, and it was on... You know, it was very late in the meet, and there were a lot of people in the stadium for it, and it was, it was
0: definitely, a, you know... A highlight. A it highlight, yeah. It certainly was. Let's wind back to the hip, though. So she won the Australian title. Mm-hmm score was a little bit off her PB, which she set in the Com Games, about mm-hmm. a year ago, but not too far off, was it?
1: Yeah, I and again, I definitely can't admit to having any real um, great understanding of, of the multi-events, something we we're both working on, but you know, we saw in the men's event, um, from a different perspective, um, both well, Maloney, Ash Maloney pulled out with injury, I believe, and Dubler pulled out sort of midway through knowing he wasn't going to get a particular score. Right. And I think that's the hardest thing with a multi-event. You know, if you feel midway through your series of events that it's not really happening for you, you know, do you sort of yeah, wage on through the wrong. rest of it or do you try and bank up and, and do another one sort of – yeah, it's almost like the marathon of um, mm.
0: of right. field
1: and track events. Yep.
0: It certainly is. But it was a competent performance and we do hear from Celeste, this is virtually straight after the 800, great time to interview her. Uh, She got a PB in that 800 which was good to see the progression but it's not a huge progression, it's 224. uh, But we do hear from Celeste about that heptathlon, heptathlon competition.
4: Record. Amy to lose well, congratulations Celeste, that well, sealed the, the win point. for you. Yeah, very happy with that.
3: You run smart over the 800, you went out pretty easy. Yeah. Just trailed her.
5: Yeah. Um, I wanted to stick with her, I wasn't sure if she was going to go out hard or not, but I thought it's between and us across two. Across as well. I mean, the overall points—it to was too hard to catch up with that. So I thought it's just about yeah, placing yeah. now, and and yeah. And like when that. I when I hit the 200, I thought you know this my time to go. Yeah. And if she's gonna come with me, then we'll just see. But yeah, I'm happy with the way I ran. I think I actually ran close to a PB doing yeah, that. Yeah, I thought so, you. Yeah. Did.
3: I thought you might have got a slight PB yeah. there. Yeah.
5: So I'm happy with that.
3: Oh, what a great way to finish! and I saw you uh, start to stride out as you were heading towards the 200 mark. You could see that distinct stride yeah. out there and the speed you had then coming off the bend in the home straight was, um, yeah, so you must have been working underline. hard on it. Yeah, because you, could, you could see that scene. the reward. It's yeah, yeah, reward. yeah, yeah I have been it's working easy more easy on my 800 right right. right.
5: and I wanted to use that um, today and um, yeah, I did. I felt comfortable in the first 400 and um, yeah, then coming home, I just had to get yeah. it yeah. <laughs> and yeah. come you home hard, right. yeah.
3: Um, so your throws, um, probably your shot put wasn't as good as what we've seen before. Yeah. And so something
5: you've changed in like coaching technique or...? Yeah, we've gone, I think it, I just started to get into bad habits with it and um, we decided to go back to basics shot put and that was only a couple months ago so obviously it's going to get worse before it gets better so I wasn't expecting anything great but um, yeah it's my first hip and I'm happy that I completed it. Hopefully we can get some, some better throws in the next one. Yeah. yeah so from here where are you next? Um, I've got this in May so in a month's time which I'm, I'm really excited about because you know something I've been aiming towards for a while. And um, so, yeah, probably that's my next
0: tap on. So, the strategy there in the hurdles, in particular in the HEP, was not to really go for it, which may oh, it probably didn't cost her a PB, but it would have advanced to score up a little bit more if she'd um, really gone for it. But what that set the scene for was on the final of the Women's 100 hurdles going through the heats Sally had looked impressive 1299 uh, dominated her heat and really did look great technically perfect as always
1: yeah she did speak to the media afterward saying that she was a little surprised as to how hard she had to work to run 1299 which for her is you know, still a ways off her her best form um, and I think that maybe was a little warning sign that whilst it is exciting to be at Nationals and she was very excited to get her first race out in you know a really really lengthy period of time if, you know, if Pearson wants to be there at Tokyo and, and be in the best shape possible, you know, she can't run races for the sake of running the race. You know, she needs to be careful of, of how she pulls up from things and, you know, focusing on that maintenance as opposed to
0: risk factor. So that opened the door for the others and that would have included um, Brianna Bean and also Jenicky Abby Taddeo Taddeo was there as well. So Mm -hmm. some good names with Celeste Celeste in a lane next to where Sally should have been. Mm -hmm. So vacant lane next to her. What do you reckon she'd be thinking about that?
1: Oh, I guess it would always be pretty intimidating um, having someone of Sally's stature in a lane next to you and probably with the pace at which she'd get over the first set or two of hurdles. You know, is that something that comes into your race? Can you be completely unaffected by that? There's a a variety of permutations there. But uh, you'd have to think, Maybe to be a little bit calming, just having a blank lane on one side and you're sure you've got someone else next to you similarly. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how it might have played into her head,
0: but she managed to keep it together pretty spectacularly. Well, keeping it together, I think, is the the, you know, the phrase for this because she won the event in 1309, with mm. then, you know, 1311 for Bean and 1312 for Jenneke. It was one hell of a blanket finish. And Celeste just held composure, didn't she?
1: Yeah, and I think the as we've touched on in a few events, we do have this sort of next raft or or next... Collection of athletes from that slightly younger age group, um, maybe not so much in in Bean's case. Yeah, she's been an established hurdler for quite a while, and, and Jenneke too to an extent. But we're starting to get whether it's the juniors coming into opens themselves and winning titles or medals. They're definitely pushing that current group along. Yeah, there's a competition breeds competition sort of vibe happening across a number of
0: events. Certainly is. So it was a compelling event to watch, even without Sally in the field. Mm. But. I suppose the question I'll ask you, Sean, what does it mean for Celeste now? Because she's uh, 0.11 off the World Championships qualifier for the individual event, which Mm. is the 100 hurdles. She's probably still a way off in the HEP, but she'll be going for that at GOTSUS, the the next big uh, multi-event championship, which is in Europe but uh, mm. not too far away. So yeah. What
1: are your and that, Well, it was a PB in the hurdles. So 13.09, um, you yeah, I did revise her previous best. Um, oh, it's, it's it's a good problem to have, you know, wondering whether you... Yeah, she's so close in two events now. Um, it's just the demands of one or the other are probably radically different in terms of how much she'd specialise. Um, I don't know, maybe at her age, you know, you've still got time to give the...
0: Hep- a little bit more of a go, um, and she'll definitely be at a... Yeah, I suppose that's one thing we should be considering too. She's she's 99 born, so mm. she's still a young lady.
1: Yeah, m- maybe if Celeste was you know, 25, 26, and, and Tokyo was looking like maybe a bit of a, a last prime sort yeah. of, of a career chance, then, yeah, you might sort of reshuffle things. Um, but, I don't know, maybe time will tell with that one, and I think it would be cool to see her focus on the hurdles. But, you know, when she's put so much of her career and so much time into the multi-event, I think there'd be that desire there to get it right and, you know, at least give yourself that opportunity amongst
0: the world champs field. Yeah. and as we're saying, time on a hand. Um, so, her and Clarkie, it'd be interesting to hear some of those conversations at the moment. I'd, I'd <laughs> love to have a chat to Clarkie, actually. Just yeah, to, he's usually a right, very, be, very quiet guy. Yeah, no, all right, well, we can extract information. <laughs> yeah. we? we know ways of making them talk but I think that would be a really interesting chat and we probably should do that once we come away from the, you know, the main track season and, and see where they're shaping um, Celeste uh, and where they're going to take her because I think that would be a very very interesting com- uh, conversation now Celeste wonderful win there and uh, Lisa did catch up with her straight away after that event
5: When you heard Sally was out, did that make any difference in... uh, Um, not really. I knew that she was going to be next to me, so I thought... If I could hang on to her, it would be good, but um, no, I just had to run my own race because she was out, so yeah, that's what I did.
3: And it was a PB today? Yes.
5: Yeah, yeah. and it's all
3: come together for you. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you weren't fresh because you're done ahead.
5: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was, I was feeling all right yesterday on my rest day, and then this morning I woke up a bit more sore. <laughs> must have been Dom's, but um, yeah, I just had a lot of adrenaline during um, the heat and quick turnaround for the final. How's your lead up been to the event? Um, It actually has been a bit up and down just because we've targeted a lot of the track classics so we've had to taper a little bit more than we... Um, would have liked coming in, but um, yeah, I just had to trust that the base I had before that has been good and um, yeah, it has gotten me through, so I'm happy with that. I
3: know um, you said to me that people who do heptathlons can't believe people come here and do one event, yeah, but wow, yeah, I, I just don't know how you continue to do this and uh,
5: come up and give your best every time, like a PB in the hurdles after a yeah, that's
6: just incredible,
5: yeah look I knew I, I had it in me I was a bit reserved in the hurdle heptathlon just because I wanted to get through that race so I knew this one I I didn't have any pressure um, on me coming in because you know everyone knows that I've done a hip and I'm not at my best but yeah I just I just wanted to get a good two races out there.
3: Is it something you would think of doing
7: in
5: the future? Um, yeah for sure um, I mean I always have that option which is really really good Um, if I don't want to go to individual hurdles, but I just look at it and think that's a lot of points for my HEP. So, yeah.
0: So, congratulations. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. So congratulations, Celeste Mucci. What a week for her, a double HEP and also 100 hurdles, getting closer and closer to that World Championship standard. Let's see what will happen to Gotsis. What's your your sort of gut feel? Do you reckon she's going to go bigger and better there? (laughs) well oh, i I guess, as we might
1: talk about sometimes with you know the the marathon, for example, things you can 't do very often um, if you get that that sort of super field there, that can spur you on to pre spectacular things um, and I think for her you know it is a sort of the sort of multi event mate to put yourself out. Um, if, if you want to be in that class and you know if you want to be pushed in every single event you know with by a group of other people on the track that are the best in the world for that event um, it's a really unique opportunity to to see what you're capable of in the the sort of highest pressure fields and highest demand of competition so again I think the age comes into it and the experience at the full event um, yeah you know, I think we could see
0: a, a really big performance out of it there Okay, moving on from the women's hundred hurdles, we had the men's hundred. Probably a little bit of status quo there. Nick Hoff, New South Wales. Uh, what did he get? Thirteen point five five to take and getting an Oceania Championship mm. qualifier. A couple of guys from Chinese Taipei. Is it, or what do we call that type? I think it is Chinese type Taipei. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they've
1: yeah they actually have quite spectacular uniforms. Um, so that is then and then I guess the second and third Aussies were Nicholas Andrews, who has actually been a member of the four by one relay squad, so has transitioned some pretty spectacular flat speed into some refocusing on the hurdles. Um, Joshua Hawkins from New Zealand was fifth overall, and then the third Australian was Ivor Metcalf from New South Wales. Um, seventh, our perennial favourite. Benny Kongboot, just putting himself back in there yep, hasn't maybe. yeah would would admit that he hasn't had a very aths focused season with some other sort of fun in yep. in Aussie rules but fourteen sixty three what do you reckon into oh. well, not much wind yeah no, I, I, I think he'd be happy enough you know he's made a national final off sort of turning it around yep. once the weather got warmer um, and I, I guess Jacob McQuarrie would have been a bit frustrated given he's been another guy to join the sub fourteen club this season uh, and another event where we are seeing that that run through of guys that were sort of 97 and, and Andrews is 97 born as well, you know, stepping up to sort of give Nick Hoff
0: a bit of a headache in domestic events. Yeah, so World Champs qualify for that one's 13-46 so, you yeah, he's bearing down on it. That's...
1: Yeah, Hoff, Hoff's definitely ballpark and I think he'd be a guy who would expect himself to, to race overseas and, and
0: get that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully uh, uh, another addition to the team for Doha. Yeah,
1: hopefully we see him over there.
0: Yeah. Men's 400. That was an, always an interesting event, isn't it, Men's 400? Great to watch, you yeah. And we had Western Australian Ian Dewhurst taking that one out in 50.29.
1: Yeah, so as you said, status quo there. It's always sort of Dewhurst v. Cochrane, the, the New Zealander. Um,
0: They're quite a big win, though, 50, 29 to 50.94. So mm. that's, a, well, I call that a shellacking. He's, he's that is, that taken is a, the s- scalp of the New Zealander. sizable distance. Yeah, he's a bit off the, the world champs qualifier, though, which is 49.30. So yeah. So it's at a full second. It's a tough event,
1: the four sticks, in terms of Australia... You, know, you you don't move a country forward by ignoring an event. So I think we've got to give credit where it's due to all the guys and the younger guys in the four hurdles who have kept with it. Um, and, you know, we remarked at States that our sort of usual standard to make a final has started to come down as well. And similarly at Nationals, you know, times that might have, you know, previously easily got you in and now times that are fringe times, and, you know, you got to rely on a little queue. So, you know, you see the likes of... Um, we had uh, Chan Ho Lim, um, who was in third from Korea, um, in 51.03. Um, But the second Australian uh, was Luke Major, um, who runs for Glen Huntley. He ran 51.15. And the third Aussie was Bryce Collins in 51.61. And similarly, we had uh, Matthew Fisher of New South Wales in 51.87 for sixth, and Connor Fry, another youngster fresh out of juniors, in 51.94. And a World Under-20 representative, Harvey Morant, rounding out the field in 52.26. Now, when you look at that as a a whole... um, you know, you've got an impetus there that you need to be at least in the 51-second range to even be vaguely relevant.
0: Yeah, well, that's pretty good. Two seconds, mm. about yeah, 10 metres or so, maybe a little yeah. bit further, separated the whole field.
1: Yeah, I, I think that hopefully that is the way forward for that event. You know, Ian um, Jewhurst is only... What's that? Oh, I guess he's yeah, he's coming up on, on 28, so I, he'd probably still have another... a good a really good season or two involved, if not more, given where we've seen Lauren Wells go um, in the women's event. Um yeah you know, does that youth continue to press up and push someone closer to that um that elusive world champ standard and and where does sort of four hundred flat speed come into that
0: yeah. what do you think Connor Fry or Harvey Morant would be thinking at the end of that
1: uh, weekend Oh I think Connor was happy in speaking to him to make the final he gave the the tenth hurdle a pretty hard kick in the heat and just about fell flat on his head um, and for a guy that Maybe a year ago, thought he was never going to run again after a run in with a speedboat. Um, pretty phenomenal to, to get himself into a national final. And for someone like Harvey, it's always very tough that transition from 20s to Opens. Mm. Um, awesome to see him.
0: Yeah, keep I, on. I, when looking, you know, Luke is, is definitely in Victoria, he's now stolen a bit mm. of a march on these two, but he's four years older and five years older than Harvey. So.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. You, you're going to need someone with really regular low 47 second speed at least. To push that 49.30 mark. Yeah. Um, and Connor and Harvey have definitely looked in the ballpark to get down there and have, have been close in, in recording, I think, sort of 47 high, 47 mid times. Um, yeah, maybe that's part of the semi curse of Australia, the fact that if you do get that. Requisite four hundred speed, you're pushed more towards a relay berth, than, you know okay. really, really honing in on the on the hurdles.
0: All right, we'll move to the women's because unfortunately with the men's no Oceania qualifiers or definitely no world champs qualifiers, but gee the women's with Lauren Wells uh, and also the New Zealander Portia Bing, fantastic race wasn't
1: it? Yeah, a PB for Lauren Wells at yeah at, uh, at, you know, at thirty two one thirty two one thirty two yeah, yeah. yeah and. Even last year, we saw her doing Long Jump. You know, sort of had this renaissance here of, well, let's keep it fun for me. You know, this year she's gone back to full-time work with primary teaching
7: um,
1: and has said she's definitely had to change the way she trained Um, but definitely one of the best moments sort of emotionally for everyone that was there that weekend was her crossing the line, seeing the personal best, you know, joining that sort of sub-55 club which is enormous in Mm. in women's 400 meter hurdling and seeing her coach um, Matt Beckenham over on the fence and they had a bit of an embrace there and I think a few tears were shed but yeah, as she said in her interview after the race, she she dedicated a lot of that to, to Maddie B, as he's affectionately known, and that you know he was that coaching type that sort of always backed her in and always believed in her when obviously she had really had thoughts about okay, maybe you know it's been a good career, maybe this is it, maybe I pack it up now, but. Yeah, you know, what what a turnaround. Leading into Tokyo now, you go, I, I'm coming into the shape of my life.
0: Exactly. And she didn't just get the world champs qualifier. She, she smashed it. She was well over a second ahead.
1: Oh, so. or absolutely obliterated it. And, yeah. you know, while she did have world championship standards prior to this this season, you yeah. know, she said um, losing to Sarah Carley in, in Canberra was a bit of a wake-up call yeah. um, and really did sort of light a fire in her belly to, to really get after it again mentally, That's uh, fantastic. as far as she said. Carley so.
0: came in for third and was second Oz. She yep. got an a qualifier. 5608 Yeah and then next Sarah Klein A lot of the regulars there Mm. uh, She was in next position Third Oz And also an Oceania qualifier So that event's looking pretty strong Sean Bodes well Yeah it bodes very well So some great action there in the hurdles we mentioned the great win by Celeste Mucci from Victoria in the Heptathlon. What happened to the men's decaf? Uh,
1: we had an international visitor take the win um, following the withdrawal of Cedric Dubler and, and Ash Maloney, um, the Queensland pair. Uh, Daniel Golubovic uh, he scored 7,901 points to take the win. Uh, Kyle Cranston uh, was behind uh, the New South Wales athlete, took out the Australian national title and second place overall with 7,594 points. In third, um, second Aussie overall, our our very own David Brock um, would have been, I think he was quite excited. It was sort of a culmination of juggling a lot of full-time work as a physio and a lot of sessions by himself um, to score 7,539, so quite close there for what was the Australian title. And in third, another Aussie, um, David Thompson, um, who is very well embedded in the coaching scene um, with some of the youngsters in Victoria as well. He took out the bronze uh, in fourth spot overall with 7,256
0: points. So 77.33 is Brocky's PB. So not Mm -hmm. a huge amount off that, was it?
1: Yeah. He had, um, I, I guess he had a... A bit of a different approach to this one. In, in, I saw on social media he, he remarked that it's been a lot harder getting used to doing a lot by himself in, in having to be a full-time physio oh, yeah. and, Especially and work. <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah, given yeah, you, give you got
1: 10 events to, to knock over. But, um, yeah, he, he was obviously very happy and, and thankful to have some, some comp there as well. So, you yeah. know, I, I feel like a bit like the 400 hurdles, it's a bit of a gulf to... Um, the international standard for the event, but, you know, the only way that's going to improve is by guys continuing to chip it away at it, so...
0: More coming through. Yeah. And Thompson's been a revelation this season
1: too, hasn't he? Oh, for a guy that made the World Junior Team back in the day under probably the most outrageous of circumstances, I think he had cancer the year that he tried to qualify for the event and came back and got the time and, you know, everyone at AA at the time I remember said it was one of the more emotional qualifying performances, but he's a phenomenal guy and, you know, I've, I've sort of worked a little bit with him at Scotch College back in the day and was super polite, had, you know, time for everyone and, and is really involved at Knox as well and that sort of thing with coaching, so awesome oh, to see.
0: Yeah, excellent. Alright, let's move on to our jumps and let's start with the horizontals. The triple jump, we had two Victorians do extremely well and they were Alan... Petit and also Elwyn Jones so the the wonder couple of Athletics Essendon and Athletics Victoria they <laughs> out the titles there so Ellen we'll look at first she got 1336 uh, as her best Elia um, Johnson uh, 1321 and then, is it uh, Marita Sinai from Ukraine? That's an unusual one. Uh, $12.99. Uh, Tierra Exum, though, the other Victorian, she got the bronze in the Australian Championship with twelve seventy three. So, you know, reliable, steady, solid, you know, jumping there from Allen. But as we know, the World Champs qualifier at fourteen twenty. It's big.
1: Big, Bigger than our national record. Yeah. Um, but Again, broken, broken record here. Um, Stacey Torreira is a coach from Queensland who's definitely pointed out, you know, the the, the market focus they've had in in, in you know, his group of long end triple jump uh, women, really focusing on triple jump and you know trying to bring it up um, through the juniors as well. Um, and just trying to further the event in Australia, really. Um, And I think it was very cool to notice um, Alwyn in in his event was actually coaching mid-event as well with with some of his own training group members jumping against him and then he'd sort of scurry off and do his own jump and, you know, very casually win the national title and then come back and watch his athletes jump and give him a little pat on the head and have a chat about it. So, yeah, he's he's obviously a man of of many, many talents.
0: Um, Many talents. Now, uh, Alan had a chat to us about... This comp, Uh, so let's hear what you had to say.
3: Hi, Ellen, congratulations on the win tonight. Thanks. (laughs) So, talk me through the competition. Um,
6: I don't know, it was a pretty good competition. I had a bit of trouble um, getting my run up right at the start, um, but yeah kind of yeah, got there in the end. It's a, not the distance I wanted, well but I'm happy to win
8: the competition,
6: yeah. What were you hoping for tonight? Um, I wanted to jump probably 13.55, which is the qualifier for the Oceania Championships, but, so I'm a bit short of that, but oh well. <laughs> okay, you had a good season? Um, I've had an alright season. I opened up with the same distance, 13.36, and I was hoping to improve on that throughout the season, but I've just equaled it here, yeah, so okay. yeah. Well, congratulations. Good to see the Vicks up on the goal. gold. Yeah. Yeah, it is.
0: Two Vicks up there today. <laughs> yeah. oh, thanks very much for the interview. Thank you. I suppose in summary, you know, a decent, you know she's taken a national champs, sure. Never be taken away from you, that's mm. great. But to start the season on the distance that you finish the season, you've probably been thinking, oh, okay, well, the progression wasn't quite there. And, and without getting the Oceania champs qualifier, I think that's then the wrap for Alan and the season.
1: Yeah, frustrating to be so close as well and, and to have a series with three jumps over 13 metres. Um, I guess jumping and and sprinting as well are often those sort of environmental conditions where, you know, did you get the day for it? Um, Yeah, I know we saw in long jump, for example, the qualifying round, there were some not so fantastic jumps from some very fantastic jumpers because it was really cold and wet. Um, I think the triple jump, um, men and women had decent conditions. But you know, I'm with without you know it being discouraging to either of those groups, you know, they're they're the ones making the change and they're the ones looking to push the event forward. So hopefully they can sort of stay motivated and, and upbeat about that and, and we'll see
0: them next season. Alwyn did comment in our last uh, track and field focus podcast about having won more national championships and state championships, and he's done it again. So he had a good win over Ao Aure, who we he had heard from earlier in the year. So mm. fifteen ninety five, but they're you know about a meter off the world champs qualifier. So Alwyn's sort of, I think, just going through the motions with the event, but also trying to bring that new blood through, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I think earlier in the season he definitely had jumps that were a lot closer to the world Champs standard. Um, you know, I don't know personally what sort of mindset he's in, whether it's a, a really renewed attack at that world champs mark or whether it's something that, you know, he obviously thoroughly enjoys doing and, and acts as a very good training partner and coach for a lot of his own
0: athletes. Yep. Um, I yeah, think... And they're starting to come through. You look through the results mm. here and there's quite a few of, of uh, Elwyn's in the mix in, there, mm. in the triple. Let's go now to the women's high jump because I, I suppose, one way of putting it, we're now in the post-Eleanor Patterson era. So what's happening there, Sean? Um,
1: huge jump from uh, Nicola McDermott, who who has been in form sort of throughout the year. Uh, she cleared 192, so she's um, got the Oceania qualifier. Yep, um, she's fractionally off that world champ standard, which is 194.
0: Um, What's Nicola's PB? You aware? I am not, which is... up around the 94, you'd think, or would 92 be about it? But, gee, two centimetres, you would hope that if she gets the right comp, then um, potentially, and, and I'd say something like um, the Oceanis might be a very
1: yeah, good... Yeah, warm, warm weather, a little bit of a break, it's yeah. middle of the year, a bit yeah. of time to take stock.
0: Yeah, um, it's not like you're a distance runner going to a Pacific Island trying to produce <laughs> a high jumper, I think, because you know, we know that uh, when they go to North Queensland, they can, you know, that's where Eleanor did her, Best yeah, so so
1: it's an equal PB. So earlier in the year, in February, uh, she did clear one ninety four. Um, I'd say I don't know how that would sort of position her in terms of any sort of roll down for high jump. The hard thing is high jump typically is one of the hardest events yeah, for right. a roll down because so many countries have one or two very good jumpers. It's, it's not really a, a three or four per country yeah, and dominated Ninety eight. You know, yeah. Sort of so I, well. I guess you will sort of have to. Cross the fingers and, and wait and see what happens. But um, yeah, hats off to jumping that well that regularly this year. Yeah, she has been the and did front role. up for uh, Australian Uni Nationals the week after and get the win there too.
0: Do you know what she jumped? I think
1: it was eighty nine or eighty eight.
0: Yeah. So Josephine Reeves from New Zealand was second, and then Anna Joy Queensland, um, Denise Snyder. She had a jump which is great We saw mm. Denise uh, take the, the state championship So I think she got a 174 finishing 7th position down there Alright the men's high jump That's quite a <laughs> discussion point Isn't it what, what,
1: what an outrageous Performance by Joel Baden um, Where did it come from? well for anyone that's not familiar with Joel he's uh, he's a bit of a character um, and he's definitely has moments where he's more taken by high jump than other times of the year um, and he's his, his talismatic coach Sandro Bizzetto, who's is quite an eccentric as well um, you know real sort of I guess coaching legend of the sport um, is one that's been really patient with Joel and has, has you know really not rushed him through any sort of injuries or, or niggles historically and um, and they found themselves in a bit of a pickle leading internationals because Joel you know, had been training really well by all accounts and was you know, really motivated for nationals and came up just before the meet with quite a sore heel. Um, yeah, you know, historically we, we've seen Sandro be quite cautious with Joel and, and say, "Look, no, let's wait for wait for Townsville or something, and you can you can jump your qualifier up there." Um, but they compromised. Joel really wanted to jump, so Sandro said, "Look." You're going to have to take care of your heel, so we can't have you off a full run-up. So, Joel wore long jump spikes. So, for anyone that's not familiar with the differences, high jump spikes have spikes in the heel, um, for sort of more traction taking off. Um, long jump spikes do not. So, obviously, trying to protect his heel a little bit there. Um, and he went off a seven-step run-up, which is a very short run-up. It, it basically looks like you're standing there looking at the bar. You're not outside of the D. You're not at the back of a you know, lane nine gallivanting in um joel sort of very calmly progressed through the comp till about
0: 224 yeah, I think had a couple of misses at 224 it was on yeah. the last jump actually at 224. so he gets over there goes I think he yeah he skipped Skips 227 skipped
1: 27 and thought hey why not let's have a swing at the the world Champs qualifier and the PB and the PB. off seven steps cleared it on the third attempt and I think there's some footage floating around definitely on some you know pop their Instagram pages like Jumpers World, and it is phenomenal. He, yeah, 230, grab a measuring tape, check out how high your
0: ceilings are. Off seven steps, that is outrageous. All right, let's get some context, Joel. In 2016, he did 229 in Cairns, mm-hmm. and also he did 229 in 2014 in Melbourne um, mm. in October. Mm. Gee,
1: It was an APS, mate. APS, wow. Well. Yeah. Um, and 230 is a jump that puts you in the top 30 in the world each yeah. year like that that is an astronomical jump um and, and to do that with such a hampered sort of build up as well is just yeah i the the fascination with Joel will be, you know, obviously Sandra noted that he was pretty sore after the comp and it, it did take a little bit of a toll on him but he's got that qualifier now, he's got the qualifier he's won nationals you know, he's good to go effectively for Doha so yeah, exactly. now go he's got plenty of time to yep. get his body right and prepare and then, you know, for a guy that's competed very sparingly outside of Australia historically, he's done a few meets in Japan um, you know, we'll have to wait and see whether he feels like, you know putting himself in one of the big European meets, which he could certainly get a start at the Would you look at
0: Oceanias? Um, I think the
1: fascinating thing there is that the uh, the Tokyo qualifier for that is 230 as well. It's yeah. just that he's jumped it a little bit early. So if he jumped oh. that after May 1st, it would have been an automatic standard for the high jump, which In is huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I don't know. The hypothetical becomes do you gamble a little bit? You know, do you need to do do you think you need to do oceanias? I think. Yeah, he's not a guy that has world unis on, on the table in terms of his age, so I think you definitely do Oceanians as a backup. But um, at, the high jump is one of those events where if he can nail that one more time, theoretically, so, you know, post-May 1, he goes to the Olympics. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's outrageous. What a, what a week for him.
0: Yeah, we had a Kenyan guy, uh, Sandiok. What in second Korean guy Yeah sorry uh, Korean in <laughs> Slight difference there But um, uh, In 224 Yep And um, the next best Of the Australians I was down in fifth And it was Manchula With Jasekara Was he our state champion I think
1: Uh, I believe so Yeah Yeah. So I think Manjula still represents Sri Lanka internationally But it's that he's been A a competitor Or a member of Melbourne University For more than two seasons Um, So yeah He he could claim An Australian national medal Quite a few on two fifteen. You also
0: had Joe Baldwin There Another Victorian Yep And
1: Grant Sazalek So Sazalek and Baldwin Are both pretty young
0: guys 98 born Yeah so A little bit happening there But Hmm. um, just to see That You know His previous best I think this year Was 220 Mm -hmm. So for, For you know, Joel to get over two thirty and you know, the key thing is will he replicate that when he goes to a major.
1: Yeah, and, and I think he's just as aware as anyone else that that's that been something he's struggled with a tiny bit historically, but you know, maybe this is the start of something really exciting for him.
0: Well hopefully so. Let's have a look at the men's a long jump. Gee, that was exciting for the Vicks, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, Johnny Boas definitely has uh, I guess a a wealth of talent uh, in his group at the moment. Henry Frayne um, decided to pass on nationals with, I think, you know, the body wasn't quite right, but what at the same time... Roper? Where was Roper? Yeah, Roper out with a late injury, I believe. Um, so whilst Frayne did pass on it, he did announce in the same social media post that he was competing at the Shanghai Diamond League, which isn't too far off. So, I, yeah,
0: I don't admit to knowing the thought pattern behind that, but that's an interesting anyway. sort of... Fixture, well, I, I guess. left it open there to Matreski and Smith, and they were the two standouts of the comp. Now, Matreski led it right to the bitter end. And then what happened?
1: Then, uh... Henry Smith same training group um, yeah long jump is about as, as well, for the field events really are about as stressful as it can get in the sense that you have one singular opportunity to uh, reclaim everything and yeah on the on the last jump Henry Smith leapt out to 790 which uh, snagged him the Oceania qualifier um, and I think the World University game standard as well I don't know if he's still in that bracket or not mm. um, yeah first
0: national title for him and that's that's always something yeah. huge to win yeah. after winning quite a few junior ones you'd anticipate too but Matreski uh had the last laugh, or had sorry, had the last chance, but uh, as we hear in this interview with both Henry and mm. Chris, just couldn't get it right. Yep. Uh,
3: Chris and with Henry, that point. turned out to be a great competition today.
7: Yeah,
9: it was great. And Came out here. I actually Australia thought Chris was going to get it at the, the start. Show, I was having a yeah, couple of problems with the hamstring, and then I was lucky like enough to clutch it, take away Klitschko'ski for the day, and uh, yeah, secure the gold. It's been a pretty long process, about five, six years. Um, to get to this journey, I guess. So, yeah, it was great. Great day.
3: So, last jump it come down to?
9: Yeah, last jump. Just, I don't know, I just thought, just don't lose. Just went through my cues and just really attacked it, went for it, got the crowd involved and was lucky enough to come out on top.
3: Your last jump was after?
9: Yeah, uh, Henry hit the 790 and... It got me real pumped up. I was thinking of uh, Irving Saladino versus Andrew <laughs> Howe 2007. I don't know yeah, what year yeah, it was. Cycle, cycle, and yeah. I just got so pumped, and um, probably a bit too pumped, that I overshot and didn't make it. But you know, I'm pretty wrapped to end with the season's best. It's been a really tough season uh, for me, and to get beaten by a teammate, I'm happy with that.
3: Yeah, we're pretty happy with Vicks going one and two. So congratulations
9: to you both. thank yeah, you. Thank
0: you. Thanks. Compelling competition there in that. Long and I think that's a great result for both of them. You can see Chris very still very happy that um, he, as we've said in the podcast in the last few weeks, his, his season hasn't been fantastic. Uh, he was hoping to turn it around with the nationals, and he nearly, nearly, nearly got a, a nationals gold medal. So very close there for Chris. But uh, congratulations, Henry, on that performance. Women's long jump too. Gee, another interesting event, wasn't? Uh, we had, I reckon, this was a Bloody good nationals. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I feel so, like we're rolling from event to event. We've got sort of
0: things happening everywhere. Yeah. We haven't really had a flat event yet. <laughs> oh, we'll get some of those later. <laughs> but uh, this one, yeah, who boy, do we have, Tim? Nara Nang. She was, you yeah, know, one of the stars of the meet. We won't claim her as a Victorian. She's a Queenslander. But, um, yeah, she got the win once again. It's the second time this season over Brook.
1: Yeah, so as we've touched on before, both herself and Brooke have traded wins back and forth and, and qualifying marks back and forth. Um, so, not, not really disastrous for either of them, given yeah, there's only two of them that have got the distance and yeah, they've both sort of posted it uh, once or twice. So, good for them for Doha. Um, so, yeah, Naranang winning 688. Um, which is the which, World Champs qualifier? And also knocked off the long-standing meet record of 681, which Nicole Bergman held back in 1998 and Nicole was in attendance uh, at the meet and coaching. Um, and I think he's the, one of the national junior coaches for jumps, for horizontal jumps, so that would have been pretty cool to see. Um, so yeah, Naranang from Gary Bourne's camp took the win, um, Brooke Stratton in second in 670, and Jesse Harper of Queensland was third in at 645, so Jesse Harper and Elizabeth Heading as well, a Victorian, um, all collected ocean qualifiers, so that would be interesting to see yeah, who, who decides goes. they'd like to, who doesn't yeah. feel they need it, you know. Yeah, but you'd think most would want it, would Hard they? to pass on it, you know, we yeah. don't really have an event of that stature in the next calendar cycle, so, yeah, crowded yeah. house.
0: It could be a crowded house, but nah, definitely one of the standout performers of that week, or that weekend in particular, you know, taking the, the 100 as well, so, yeah, you know, she's obviously in top shape at the moment.
1: Yeah, long jump in the 100 double is pretty spectacular, um, I think No doubt she'll get a run out at world relays, and then we'll look to see whether she picks up Oceania champs or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, compelling. So watch this one because I think that women's long, and, you know, Brooke isn't going to stay around that 670 mark. She's going to get longer, so... No, and
1: then you look at, you know, you look at two Australians potentially being in the top ten in the world, you know, in, in one event. Well, wouldn't it be good to get two in
0: the final? Not <laughs> worlds or, or Spot on. Yeah, you know, I, oh, I think it can happen for mm. sure. We've done it in women's jab. Surely we can get exactly. going in you know, women's long jump as well. Gee, another exciting event to talk sure. about soon. Men's pole vault. 5.50, OCA. a yeah, bit,
1: bit of an odd event. Yeah. Really. Odd event? Why do you say odd? Um, well, Curtis Marshall, I don't know whether he was injured or not, but he was jumping off a much shorter run-up than usual. And that, that, that is something that pole vaulters do, um, especially if they're progressing through a season and trying new things or you know making technical updates to their, their sort of... Um, They're jumping So He did seem frustrated You know he obviously Wasn't happy not to get the win But um, training group member 5.30 So Mm.
0: You know that's
1: Below the mark for him Oh yeah XXX there on 5.40 Yeah So look not really sure on the story there, but I'm I'm sure he's prepping for something coming up, and yeah, you know, is a guy that basically has his pick of the Diamond League mates. So, yeah, you know, we'll have plenty of time to jump a lot higher, and, and did jump high indoors even earlier in the year. So, I'm um, yeah, not too sure there what'll happen. Right,
0: uh, so, with the first clearance at 550, Angus Armstrong from Western Australia took it, and then uh, James Stein, the New Zealander, yep, had one miss at uh, the 550,
1: uh, and our own Dave Thompson that we mentioned before, yeah, you know, medals in the decath, and also picks up a, a silver medal in the uh, yep. in the pole vault with yeah. a 5.40, 540 clearance. 5.40
0: on his third and final attempt, so mm. that's uh, making it nice and exciting. Stephen Clough, um, who I can't say I'm familiar with, um, takes br- took bronze. lot of the Western Australians. A lot of West- why yep. is there so many Western Australians in that event?
1: Oh, I, I think wonder. Alex Parnov's probably uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> responsible for that. You know, Declan Carruthers, another guy who has made the move from South Australia to WA, um, also there at 5.30. So certainly that, that groundswell of pole vault's there. Um, our previously... Outrageous performer Sasha Zoya, I think, no heighted in the men's open final. So yeah, it was obviously a bit of a long week for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, groundswell pole vault,
0: all happening. All right, women's pole vault. We got to see the the wonderful New Zealander uh, mm. Olivia McTaggart. So four thirty for her, and then the first of the uh, the first Australian was a Queenslander, Lisa Campbell. Lisa Campbell. Um, she was also on four thirty. So any takeaways from the women's open? Um, interesting to see Lauren Hyde cooling,
1: getting there for a silver, also out of that WA group, but a pretty young athlete, would be, would be turning 19 this year. Um, yeah, picks herself up a, a national open medal in four ten. Um, another few missing ones, I guess. Um, Liz, Liz, part not yeah. not there um, again. I'm not sure why, but We're not privy to that information. four
0: fifty six is the world champs qualifier, so no need to Kennedy either. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so they're they're away off. But four thirty mm. the Oceania qualifier, and, and we do get the, the Australian Campbell getting over that much. All right, so that's then a wrap on the jumps. Okay, Sean, it's time to talk middle distance. you feeling comfortable talking middle, middle distance? <laughs> oh, I
1: feel um, we've behaved ourselves. We've, we've got through um, some other events. Yeah, we've done the
0: done our due diligence. All right, we'll do a quickie through the middle distance thing, because not much right. happened, really. It was, oh, no, it was, it was pretty quiet. Relatively dull. Not much. Mm. No, it wasn't relatively dull. dull. <laughs> we had the finale of Married at First Sight during that week, or the week <laughs> after. But just as intriguing, I think, it was, it was like the, Star Wars. It was the, like the, the master v. The Apprentice. Oh, uh, it was. It was the, the final of the, or well, sorry, it will be all of the machinations going into the men's open mm. 1500 metres.
1: We did have Math- Luke Matthews, um, a Victorian, was entered in the 8 and the 15 heading in. Um, and he, yeah, just before the mate, obviously noticed that the gap between the semi for the 8 the scheduled semi for the eight, we'll get to that. Um, and the, f- the heat for the 15 was going to be a little bit too close for comfort. Um, and he basically explained, you know, when he did pull out of it that look every year he seems to turn up with the qualifier for the 800 already and he goes and wins the eight, which as he's pointed out, brings him much joy, but it always means he's either a little bit underdone or doesn't do or sort of avoids the 15. But I think, you know, he, he had a pretty spectacular season until a sort of freak injury last year over the 15 and, um, and, yeah, just really wanted that national title and wanted to take it to Why not? Gregson
0: and Ramsden. Yeah. Now, let's go through the heats initially because we we've got an interview firstly with Matt Ramson. He had a really tight uh, heat with, oh, with Gregson. Yeah, and yeah. Of, <laughs> Which was comedic. though. It was comedic. Light-hearted. Yeah, very light-hearted, but uh, one one to Gregson and two to Ramson. Let's mm. uh, hear from Matt because, yeah, the other thing on which you've got to factor with, with Matt, a week before he was in Denmark running a very hard, cross-country 10 kilometres. So Matt talks about the race and also about that recovery from Aarhus.
10: Matt, Ryan open means took
3: a sneaky little meters. win over you there. <laughs> yeah. A little dance on the Yeah,
11: he's just playing General
7: with me. <laughs> I could have beat him then. <laughs> <laughs> I <wish> you have.
3: <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling after uh, the race, after Canada. World Cross?
11: Um,
4: Isaac Hockey, two yeah, not too bad actually. I thought I'd be way South worse Rogers. but... um.
11: Yeah, today was fine. That pace felt cruisy, so and we still ran like forty-three, I think. So not too bad.
3: What what was it like? A two minute? Yeah, just like
11: one minute um, laps. So not too bad. Yeah, Yeah.
3: very good. Good run.
11: Glad to see you refreshed
3: after the World Cross. Yeah,
11: yeah, just drinking heaps of water, eating heaps, and I'm fine. That was a
3: tough course with recovery for all those young athletes out there. what, what tips have you got?
11: Uh, sleep as much as you can if you wake up at night just go back watch movies go back to bed when you can and then um after that drink heaps when you wake up um i drink like three liters of water a day and then um just eat as much as you can as well lots of carbs that helps yeah
3: so what can we expect from you in the
11: final hopefully a win
0: So qualified nicely for the final, did Matt Ramsden. But uh, next up, I think, was Luke Matthews in the next heat. And um, it was a pretty impressive heat performance. And the pace was well, was pretty decent, too, for a heat.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's... Uh in the distance, it can look a little bit more deceptive in the sense that, you know, in a 1500, sure, there's going to be a really spectacular difference between a paced race and a, and a heat. But, yeah, I just think the gears that Matthews could click through to, sure, I think it was a 344 for the win in his heat. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was never, ever, ever
0: in doubt. Right, and he talks just about that.
3: Luke, you dominated that race out
9: there. <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was good. The first, um, first 400 was 44 and then threw a minute. Like 202, so yeah. 201, 202, so it was still, still pretty solid. But um, I don't know I just, I felt like I was just a bit itchy in the whole way, and I was like, oh, I want to get out. So, <laughs> I you sat in for a while. Yeah, so I kind of started to move about 300 to go. But then I thought I may as well. I was just worried. I was, I was worried about Santana because I've watched so many races with him, and he's been so good in the last hundred. So I uh, wanted to, I actually wanted to give him, put a bit into him in the last hundred. So
7: kicked with 150 to go, and I felt really good. So.
9: I'm um, pretty confident with how things are going. Yeah,
3: definitely. Yeah. Confident going into the final? I never run to come <laughs>
9: second, and I never think I'm going to come okay, second, so yeah, of course. Yeah,
3: you're a pretty tough cookie mentally,
9: aren't you? Yeah, as you know, it's been a tough uh, two, three years, so I've seen the worst of the sport, so not much can bring me down anymore, which is good. Yeah.
7: Well, we're, we're right
3: behind you as a Victorian.
9: Thanks, I appreciate but you've got a lot of good Victorians out there, so oh, yeah, no, we'll be cheering, <laughs> we'll be cheering them all. Bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Two days later, we have the final, and it was much anticipated. <laughs> it was it? a yeah.
1: tense warm-up track. There it was, was pretty
0: exciting, actually. I was yeah. out there on the warm-up track at the time, and mm.
1: you know, it was. You, you can sort of see if, if anyone you know hasn't been to the Sydney setup before. There's a full 400 meter warm-up track with jumps, pits, throwing areas. It's basically a, a whole another facility, um, and you have a little walkway of about 150 meters between the call room and <laughs> the, the walkway. Yeah, the, uh, it crosses the road. It's all gated off. It's it's yeah. quite sort of professional. Um, and and yeah, in seeing you know Luke and, and Gregson and Ramsden and those guys sort of walk in their various camps to the to the core room tent, yeah, people were looking pretty nervous for this one.
0: It was a bit like a prize fight, wasn't it? You have your it was you, camps, yeah. And, you yeah. know the supporters, <laughs> and luckily no chairs were thrown or belted over officials' heads or anything like that. But it no. was it was you could tell. But yeah, you this get this mattered. this race mattered. Three guys
1: who who have history, you know, have trained together in the past. Have have you know not for reasons between themselves, but for other reasons, sort of had a bit of the breakup and um, have moved on, and now they meet again. So they were guys that hadn't raced each other all season. Um, and, you know, Ramsden had beaten Gregson early in the season in the National Mile Championship in New South Wales, um, and it all sort of came together. You know, you've got Ramsden, who, as we've said, and he's pointed out, he's, he's fresh back off World Cross Country, fresh. trying to sort of put the limbs back together for another run. Um, and I think the talk all week was, oh, look, if, if there's going to be a move to be made, Ramsden's going to need to do it a little bit earlier than matthews and gregson you know, he's, he's whilst he's quick he doesn't have quite the big last yeah. 200 meters that those guys have and the race really played out like that it was yeah,
0: you know, yeah well the gun gun fires what happens uh,
1: the first hundred looked like it was gonna be really quick and yeah. uh, it was yeah it looked like it was gonna be on from the start but as they got to about 90 meters things slowed right up and a sort of little a ripple of laughter ran through the crowd and you could tell that everyone sort of knew what we were in for
0: who was pulling it back though
1: Um, I think, yeah, Matthews and Gregson pulled the handbrake pretty quickly at the start. Um... Thankfully, I know he only did it for a little bit, but our beloved Tom Forthorpe does have a oh, habit of, of leading national
0: titles sort of to his and own detriment. It came in later though, because they did mm. duel around yeah, you know, well, or sixty four for the first for time. For those guys is a walk. Yeah, yeah, well it's four minute pace. So mm. you know, they were you know mm. just dueling, But you could see that the game or the the strategies were playing out, weren't they? And it was all about control.
1: Yeah, Matthews ran and Matthews, as he said, is he's a He's a guy that comes off sometimes as, you know, not, not being a bit cavalier, not knowing too much about the sport, not paying too much attention. Couldn't be further from the truth. This is a guy that has watched just about every bit of 1500 footage he can get his hands on. You know, we'll be able to tell you what shoes people wore 20 years ago in the Olympics. Um, he's a big fan of the sport, loves it. And uh, I think he joked that. He tried a little bit of a central its tactic per Rio 2016 in the sense that he sat just on the inside of lane one, and anyone that tried to roll up next to him, he just nudged the pace along a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until about 450 500 metres to go where he was happy to let Matt Ramsden jump in front. Yeah, so, um, but by that time, had Fourth, fourth, had a, a little, little stint at the front, front, but it didn't yeah. didn't last too long. Uh, and then Matthews has taken control. Yeah, and then Ramsden really picked it up from yeah five hundred out, and yeah.
0: that's probably what we expected.
1: Yep. Yeah. And what happened? Um, the I think the the horrifying thing if you're a guy who takes the lead a little early is you, you obviously hope you get a gap or you hope that your change in pace is sudden enough to affect someone. But the horrifying element of that would have been the fact that Matthews slotted in just behind him. Like it, it looked like a training rep. He thought, you know, you could see he was like, Bonza, this is exactly what I wanted. Someone else can toss us around for a bit and I'll make my jump a little bit later. Gregson queued up just at the same time, pulled around the side of the pack and put himself just on the outside so of the lane. And the prize third. out for the final and round, it was, it was exciting. This yeah. is what people want to see. Yeah. People want to see head-to-head.
0: Yeah, and, and quite often in a championship race, and we have seen at the Olympics where it is mm. dawdling, and it dawdles and dawdles for a mm. long time, and you just get a finish where you think, oh, gee, that wasn't so good, but we knew this was going to be special. Oh, yeah, this wasn't
1: it because, you know, yeah. we knew we had two guys who historically have been very evenly matched um, and both have a very similar skill, which is a, a massive change of pace. Um, and the crowd was really into it. It was it was quite loud being in the stadium, which was really exciting. Um, the sort of decisive moment, I think, was Matthews managed to not cut off, but get to that 200-metre bend in the lead. He was a, a nose in front of Ramsden. Um, and, and for all sort of money and intents and purposes, the, the question was really only going to be asked with 120 metres to go. And with 120 to go, Gregson lined himself up in what has become an oh-so-familiar position over previous national titles where you thought, okay, this is this is where he hits the button. This is where everything goes for him and he streaks past Matthews. But in what is a definite change to the previous script, Matthews put... Port- a, a staggering gap into Gregson in what was maybe eighty meters, yeah. and, and had plenty of time to celebrate. Um, and he knew he had it about forty meters out. Oh, 50 it was metres yeah, out like he it. absolutely obliterated the field. Yeah, was, but even with the
0: celebration, mm. he was still running away.
1: Oh, even with the celebration, he closed in fifty-one ninety-nine for the last lap. Um, yeah. I think I had him. We timed his five hundred to two hundred to go segment, and even that was forty seconds. Yeah. The last five hundred was on, was just on sixty-five seconds. Which is flying. Um, well, that was the they're nearly their four hundred split
0: for the first lap. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, I think I'll, I'll, you know, I've joked with this with Luke, I'm usually not a fan of his celebrations they can be a little cringe, yeah. uh, but anyone who was a niche fan of, of NBA basketball, he did pull out uh, a, a celebration known all too well by a guy that plays for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, D'Angelo Russell um, and the reference was that effectively he had ice in his veins and you know it, it, those guys did look dense before the race started so I think to be able to pull off a win in those conditions bodes really well for Luke because whilst you know, Whilst World Championships and the Olympics are pressurised situations, there was enough you know, history there that that would have been a, a very nerve-wracking situation to take on someone who historically is almost untouchable in Australia.
0: Yeah. Now, do you think we, on that afternoon, we saw a little bit of a changing of the guard?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's hard and you've, you've definitely got to afford Gregson the respect of having yeah, been around oh, for oh so long. respect for Ryan Oh, yeah, a yeah. Great um, guy, great competitor. And did run all the way to the line because yeah, he knew... Yeah, and that's right. Yeah, knew he, knew he had Hunter and Ramsden yep. right on his tail and, and ended up hanging on to that silver medal by .02 yeah. off Hunter, who did come from the clouds. Yeah. Um, and I think you can never rule a guy like that out. You know, if you've, if you've run 331 before and you've had seasons where you've been able to get back down to 32 and 33 and you make an Olympic final, you're a guy who, yes, you might get a little older and it might take a little longer to get into that, you know, really purple patch of fitness. But I think we'll see him, you know, later in the season. I, th- I think, you know, he'll he'll feature in those Diamond League meets and, and he'll be prominent and it'll be fascinating to see him and Matthews at the World Championships. Well,
0: are you assuming Ryan will go to World Champs?
1: Oh, look it's it's dangerous to assume. Um three thirty six zero zero. Mm, no, he has he hasn't run that time yet. Yep. Um, McSwain actually has the qualifier indoors. Yep. Um, does that count? Okay. Yeah, it does. So wow. you've you've got a you know, what is Stewie pick? Um, but yeah, well, it does it does yeah. get a little bit crowded in the fifteen, that's probably another topic. But yeah, let's say he does get the standard and he does get picked to go. Um, I think yeah, a fifteen hundred team of Matthews McSwain and
0: Gregson would be pretty pretty outstanding. Pretty interesting too. Mm. All right, it was a great race. Great to be there. Great to see it. And if you haven't seen it on uh, YouTube, go definitely. Have yeah, definitely, definitely race. jump on and have a look. Yeah, and it's fascinating. Yeah. All right, women's fifteen. What do you got to say about that? Um, I guess it was an interesting year in
1: the sense that a lot of our big names were missing. So we had no, no Heidi C, no Zoe Buckman, no Lyndon Hall, uh, no Blundell, and Griffith focused on the 800. Um, um, so a winter to Chloe Tog in... Mm. in Who well, I believe is a Dubai-based teacher. Okay. I think that popped up in something. Yeah, I think Ian Hatfield coaches her via
0: correspondence. So made the trip back for this one. I know where we have you on the podcast. Your ability to find those bizarre facts is just amazing. So <laughs> I get You've got to do something Tye. to keep, keep yourself busy. Um, Four, eleven, seven. 11 7. Well, you've got to work full time at AV as well. True. To be fair, Ty,
1: very good junior, very good early sort of senior career, um, and has, has gotten
0: back into the sport over the last sort of three years, I'd say, and is obviously enjoying her running again. Yeah, Ty was always up the front, wasn't she? So mm. I don't know if she was controlling the pace or just she was doing the pace. And, um, yeah, I, I guess Murray, the, what do you think of that run? It was a little bit odd that
1: they afforded Ty such a gap. Such um, a gap down the back. In a race right? where, yeah. respectfully, a lot of those athletes are very evenly matched, yep. um, I just don't think you can let someone do that. Um, you know, you, you. I know every athlete backs themselves to kick it home, but when Ty is, you know, just as good as anyone else in that final, you know, she's got that gap and just straight away with it.
0: Yeah, Madeline Murray, watching her down the back straight when she was trying to bridge the gap, she was absolutely flying, but mm. she'd given away too much.
1: Yeah, and, and that you know, really was her undoing in the end. So Chloe Ty took first in 411.70. A strategic win,
0: we'll call it. Yeah, just outside of that Oceania qualifying time of 411 flat. Yeah, which it's is frustrating. disappointing for her, or frustrating, mm. not to get it. Um, Madeline Murray did talk to us after the race.
6: That's all right. So
3: Madeline, you're originally from Western Australia.
6: Yeah, from Perth. Grew up there. I well, spent until I was 14 years old in Perth, and then Dad's job took us to the UK, so, um, yeah, left all friends of mine and then moved over there and did a bit of running overseas and now I'm back in Melbourne. Yeah, well, great run tonight. Yeah, really, really pleased with that. It's been a fantastic season. It's been my first full Australian season, sort of injury-free, so it's just been great. I've really enjoyed running the the Aussie circuit and playing around. It's a great night, great atmosphere Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I could hear the crowd coming down the home straight. It was really good. Talk me through your race. Um, It was, I think it was a funny race. Usually I always front run and tried something a little bit different tonight, and it, it did feel a bit uncomfortable, especially going into the last lap and seeing them pull away, but... I managed to get out and um, come home strong, so I'm pleased with that. would have liked to have come home a little bit stronger, but yeah, good job to the girls. And Were you happy with your time? Yeah, that, I'm pleased with my time. I ran... 4.12 in um, Brisbane the other week so it's great to sort of come here and back that up in a championship race so yeah absolutely. yeah, yeah. Because it is
3: different racing, isn't it? It it's so It's just it's solid. different to
6: running a sort of I guess it's effectively a time trial it's a little bit more tactical and so I was, I was surprised here at the time I didn't even know what it was until I'd finished and the girls said so I'm, I'm really pleased yeah it's good to come great to get silver at a national championship yeah so. absolutely
0: a little bit of background there on Madeline, so it's good to get that to get the backstory that she was from Western Australia, went mm. to the UK and competed, you know, heavily there. But getting down to good territory, there mm. uh, was happy with the silver medal, but gee, I think the gold medal could have been hers with uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: move a little bit earlier. So second in four twelve twenty two for Madeline and Bernadette Williams of WA was third. That's a
0: surprise packet too, was wasn't it? Four fifteen twenty
1: five and yeah. has has had a definite resurgence yeah. uh, over the last season or two. Oh, and then we had Billings and
0: Hanson, the two Victorian two girls, youngsters, in running for a little bit of pride there. But
1: yeah, four sixteen ten for
0: Sarah and four sixteen forty five for Georgia. Yeah, and look, you know, this is now subsequent to World you Un- sorry, Australian Unis. But mm. I think Georgia would be coming away, ruining that four sixteen. I just don't think she looked right on the day. I just didn't. Yeah, I'm, the race I'm not sure.
1: Given you know she has fronted up at Uni Nationals this last little couple of days and and run four eleven, um, which is big PB and, a, yeah. and a, a World Uni Games qualifier um, with, you know, Georgia Griffith taking the win there in four um, ten.
0: Oh, well, there you go. You've got your, um, yeah, your 1-2 there with Griffith and Hanses. They love, they run together so well.
1: Yeah, so they, they did get a little bit of pace help um, from yeah. Katrina Bissett who was right. kind enough to jump in and help out in oh. the in the 1500. Woman of the moment. <laughs> yeah, it does have a couple of events on. Um, yeah. And yeah, so a mixed bag, really. Like, I, I don't know if we get a lot out of that women's 1500. No, like we don't get It's much. good, but it doesn't really change the situation. We just sort of have to wait to see how fit... Everyone else can get
0: One One query I, I talked to you off here on Was Jayla Hancock Cameron Who I'm a huge fan of But I, I can't for the life of me think Why they've run her in the opens When she's still got a few years to go in juniors So I'd yeah. be running juniors at the nationals
1: Yeah double edged sword You know you might lack Or feel you lack the competition in your own Doesn't age matter. group
0: A junior champion a National champs is the national champs mm. And here Because well, what we're see, Or what we're not seeing here is progression So Yeah I guess, I guess it depends
1: Whether that's more an experience thing To play the devil's advocate of yeah. being in a field where a lot of people aren't as good or better than you um, but yeah the other side of that is but you, get that you, you need an athlete classics, you know? yeah you need an athlete who's mature enough to be able to deal with maybe not running so well and look I don't know the situation intimately enough to know how she might have felt after the final but you know I'd hope yeah everyone's sort of looking at that with a bit of context
0: yeah and now Whitney Sharp uh, she's had a not a great season she's been in and out and all over the she place she had a very good start to the season she did but yeah I think a few injury woes after mm. that but she's coming at 7 foot uh, and she broke the 420 mark so I, I think she'll be reasonably happy got, got a couple
1: of blasts from the past in there got um, Abigail Nordberg was 6th in um, from New South Wales someone who was sort of Pretty good back in the day, and yeah. yeah, I say back in the day, a lot of these people are only
0: nineteen eighty-eight to nineteen ninety-one yeah, sort of birthdays, under
1: 30, but they've had a, a year or two out, and they've yeah.
0: they've come back with great gusto. Yeah, excellent. All right, so that really is the the fifteen hundreds lined up. Let's now move to the men's eight hundred. So the men's eight hundred, yet again, similar to the um, men's fifteen, a lot of discussion points and a lot of uh, I suppose con- uh, connotations going into this one of what could happen and what might happen out there so Sean how did it all pan out? Um, we
1: definitely had an event that was changed by the removal of Matthews or well, not I'd say removal he scratched himself but um, the removal of semi-finals as well. Yeah all right let's talk about that. So controversial isn't it? Uh, there's a couple of things to consider the fact that um, within a meet uh, basically the technical director who's appointed does have discretion to change things, you know, for, for good reason, for things that pop up that are extreme or unusual. Um, I guess the the controversy drew out in the sense, not so much that the semis were removed because, you know, AA can do that, um, but I guess it was sort of overriding their own technical rules, it was seemed, so.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what I want to really hone in on.
1: So, I guess to clear any misunderstanding, the fact that semis were removed
0: is not in itself Unable um, to be done. You, and can, and you have do discretion that in, in to do AV that yeah. quite regularly. When so, the, when, and, and the reason for that is that you have your start list, mm. and it might be fifty or sixty. Yeah, and then then when then it comes to check in, some people, of course, there. not everyone checks in. Mm. That might then mean that we actually do not need that. Yeah. Set of semis. So what that's happened? With,
1: yeah. So what happened yeah. with the men's? They had thirty six check in, um, thirty five made it to the start line. So someone pulled the pin in the warm up. But most importantly, when everyone checks in, that's when you make your decision on how that affects everything else. Yeah, um, right. And in the AA rules it was written that it was 33 or more would result in a semi so look the fact that they were then removed is not specifically illegal or unable to be done it can be done but where I think a lot of the coaches kicked off was that uh, there was a rule that AA sort of write quite explicitly is is how many people you can put in a heat. So there were two heats of twelve and one heat of eleven. And if the one gentleman that withdrew during the warm up had made it the track, it would have been three heats of twelve, um, which is something that sort of explicitly stated can't be done. Yeah. Um, and I guess but frustrated what, a lot of people because semis were scheduled as yeah, well. So but in but a not week,
0: just frustrated, confused because when did the athletes find out about this?
1: Uh, they would have found out about.
0: 50, 45 minutes beforehand. we us head into the warm-up truck. Let, let's have a mm. listen to Pete Bowl and Joe Deng just on this topic. All
12: the Australian record holder.
3: Hey Pete. And Naki.
12: Hey, how are Australian you? Partner. That
3: was a, uh, well, it's an interesting change of events in the 800 today.
12: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we came here expecting a semi-final, so to come out and do a heat and then just straight to the final makes it pretty tough for the other guys. I mean, you can like I think, what's his name? Jai unfortunately missed out and he was in a final I know he would have run great so you know those things kind of suck but I mean you got to do what you got to do to get to the final sometimes
3: you have two in your lane
12: yeah that was interesting um I thought I'd have my own lane but no complaints um I ran pretty well and I controlled the race and that's
3: you did control the race yeah, yeah you put on two little spurts though on the back straight there and then again yeah that, that was the
12: whole plan just um ease it off and then pick it up again just you know that kind of kills the people behind you Cause if you're in control you dictate the race so that's it there
3: yeah well done you did it pretty easy <laughs> what <have I> <laughs> joe continue on with you yeah yeah <laughs> uh, Yeah, i was just saying interesting turn of events going straight to uh yeah final now
7: yeah because i was getting ready for the semis yeah i thought we would have semis no. when we,
3: when did you realize
7: when i got to the warm water yeah like 20 minutes um, a few minutes after my walk, Justin told us there's only three heats yeah. and straight to the finals.
3: How did that make you change your thought process going into the race?
7: No, I still had the same thought um, process. I was always going to take it out and um, just see what happens.
3: You took it out hard?
7: Yeah, I wasn't planning on taking it out that hard.
3: 24 seconds first 200.
7: Yeah, because uh, one of the guys from South Australia is coming on the outside clipped me a bit but well, I was like nah just just keep running and then 52-6 yeah I was like damn <laughs> and then yeah just made a little bit of a move down the back straight and then coming into the straight I had a bit of a gap so I just shut it down yeah so saw armed yeah, saw, um, the New Zealand the James Preston coming by but I just let him have it because it's top two anyway it is
3: top yeah. two yeah 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 and good to just He's off preserve yourself yeah really.
7: yeah for sure yeah save something in my legs for the finals
3: what, what's to come in the final
7: I don't know, you just have to wait and see.
3: (laughs) Well, good luck. Thank you. We'll be right behind you. Good to see the Vicks go through.
7: Thank you.
0: So, confusion, um, probably disappointment for a few, and having to re-strategise, and some guys just lost
1: it. Yeah, so it's double-sided. It's, you know, the guys that have got that national qualifier, it might not be your finalist types, you know, they really want to get two runs out of the week. You know, they've paid their money to come up and got that qualifier just like everyone else, and you know, if it's a heat semi final sort of progression, uh, are a better chance at making it through to a semi and can hone their craft at the high performance end of things. Those really top four or five guys, you know, they want to prepare for major champs, they want to get used to running three rounds, three rounds and they want to work yeah. on those sort of tactical permutations of, of each race and each set of competitors. Uh, but as you've touched on there, yeah, there was, there was a guy, Jai Perrett, who's been a, a real breakout star yeah, one of, of this season, favorite or favorites, yeah, we, we picked on. Him all the way back in yeah. 2015, we'll, we'll yeah. claim it. Um, and he trains with Mason Cohen and is coached by Ben Liddy out of the Central Performance Group in New South Wales. Um, and, yeah, he was a guy who didn't look like he took the news very well at the warm-up track and was a bit stressed out by it. Um, and, yeah, that, that differed to maybe a Pete Bowler or a Joe Deng who er, have been in these situations before and a little bit calmer and a little bit wiser and just sort of shrugged and said, well, okay, because the permutation of that was you needed to finish top two in your heat and the next two were listed as progressing on time. Now, the further frustration that drew from that is in the technical rules, it is written that you can take nine into a final if you have a nine-lane track yep. in 200 or 800-metre events. Um but I guess it wasn't posted explicitly on the, the progression sheet. So when you're sat there in the call room, you think, okay, I've got to run as hard as I can and there's only two spots. So if you're that third guy, yeah, I know you're not supposed to assume anything in a race, but yeah, you might be running along and if that gap starts to open up, you think, well, there's not a third time spot anyway, I won't bother. Um, and yeah. You know, Sure. Blame there would have to be placed on an athlete as well for
0: being that sort of lackadaisical, but... yeah, what are athletics administrators there for? They're there for the athlete. And I think my view is that in this case, and I'm an athletics administrator, I've made mistakes before. I would hope that these guys that made that decision and were so vehement in defending that decision... Would come out and say, "No, nah, we stuffed that one up." Because yeah, I reckon and they did. I'm going to be pretty, you know, harsh on this. I reckon they got it wrong, badly wrong, and it's impacted so many people. And, and it makes the sport look stupid. Yeah, and when we, you see, you know, other events then started with nine in the final. For mm, God's sake, and they didn't have nine in the 800. Mm, What's going on?
1: So what ended up happening was the ninth athlete progressed to the 800 final was Sam Russell. Um, effectively, all well, credit to him. He asked the question, and you know, he'd, he'd taken time off work and all those sorts of things as well, and, and he got himself put into the final. Um, I guess the frustration there was obviously for a guy like Jai Perrett, he didn't make the final, he left his run a bit late, um, and we don't know yet, the selections haven't been made, but he very well could miss the World University Games from that, as Matt Scott ran the time in the final, and Mason Cullen did as well. Um so that makes it extremely difficult to pick him, you know, given the Australian Nationals were put up as a very big, important selection mate. Alright, let's put the
0: controversy behind us. The final. The final. Pete Bowl, he had his debut win over eight hundred metres. What a happy boy he is yeah. now. So he got the monkey off his back, as Justin said.
1: Yeah, I, I think Pete's more than well aware that he has had some some wobbles domestically in the past and, and is not always a, a tactical genius at times. Um, but yeah, Joe Ding let it out. Extremely fast, which is a is a tactic that has historically suited him, and he does like running from the front. Um, unfortunately, you know, for I guess reasons, he wasn't too big on expanding upon. He was a bit frustrated, understandably. Uh, he couldn't hold it together um, and faded pretty substantially from 600 out. Um, and Pete took up the took up the running from 600 with jo, uh, Josh Ralph right on his tail,
0: and yeah. we got one of the most exciting battles down the home straight of the week. Certainly did. Ralph surprised me just with that. Fortitude to just keep going and going And Pete just had the inside running and looked strong
1: Yeah and, and those have been situations In the past where Pete looks like he's he's Crumbled a little under that final straight Pressure but he just kept on keeping On and a big dip on the line got him the win In 146-12 uh, Ralph was second in 146 and so Three 100s, three 100s. And Mason much. Cohen was a
0: very happy third Placer uh, grabbing a senior medal In 146-91 yeah, and then we go down to Scott, who's been a regular that we've been following, 147-57. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be come away reasonably happy with that. Would have been nice to stand a medal. Season's
1: best, yeah. And I, and I think it does grab him that World Uni Games qualifier. Yeah, um, but
0: not in Oceania, because we see the top three all got that.
1: Yeah, so just off that one, um, Sam Russell ended up sixth in one forty-eight sixty-nine, which is a point I'd like to highlight in the sense that that was a big PB um, you know technically he may not have been added to the final if he hadn't have asked the question yeah. um, you know tactical middle distance running does not work as simply as PBs on paper. You you can't look at a number of PBs and go well, so-and-so should make the final. It's just just not how it works,
0: especially in a non-paced championship race. And to me the 800 is one of the most compelling events uh, because it's so cutthroat to make a final, particularly when the final numbers are eight, uh, to get Mm -hmm. through. In this case it was nine because Russell was added, but uh, to get through to an 800 final, even at state championships, it's tough to do. do. And it needs not just the ability to run fast, but also to strategise while you out there and understand what is going on on your feet. So, look, it was uh, a great win by Pete, and uh, we at uh, least managed to catch up with him after the race. Just want you to
12: run me through the race, Pete. Oh, great race. Uh, great conditions. Went out. Joseph took it out. Um, man, he's so strong. He's just... 800 sometimes doesn't work, but.
3: when did you go through the
12: 400 I think I went through 52. Joseph must have went through 51 something, when I saw the clock. And I knew at 52, I'm pretty comfortable. And just tried to push that last last 200, which I don't think we have yet, but we'll come Europe. I mean, we're going to be we're gonna be flying that last 200. So Are I'm pretty happy with it. Australian season, great medal, and my first medal ever. So I can't be really disappointed with that. Is it? Yeah. Well, I won Juniors in 2013 and, yeah, made every final for Nationals, but
0: this is my first medal. So, fantastic performance. Peter Boll, congratulations, but also Josh Ralph. Big, big run. Great to see Scott just getting into that middle order there, into the 800, and still, you know, chipping away at good times, and hopefully he's also going to have a fairly good season going through into the European side (laughs) of things. Katrina Bissett. Sure, uh... what do you know about Katrina Bissett?
1: (laughs) Um yeah, I guess with full disclosure I I do manage uh Katrina, so I'll have to i have to behave myself. I know in uh in, in the agreement you sign there's a there's a confidentiality clause. So I right. think she's told me I'm I'm supposed to uh I'm supposed to tell everyone that she's uh she's 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 uh <laughs> what'd she say? She said uh, you should tell everyone that I'm that I'm cute and I'm funny. So I think we'll we'll go with that because she uh she has had an outrageous rise to prominence. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks.
0: Um it all probably started at Miles Club with the 201. Yeah, and, yeah. And basically, if you want to, you can call her Miss X if you have got issues. <laughs>
1: no, no, no I, think, I think she'll be okay. Um, yeah, so K- Katrina was someone who was very good as a junior. And when I say junior, I mean 12. So she, yeah. she was under 60. She ran 58 seconds for 400 as a, a very young, young, young athlete up in, wow. in, up in Canberra. Um, and then I think, yeah, just had other things in life that, you know, as a 12-year-old, you get distracted by and didn't really come back to us. Yeah. Um, Was up at the University of Sydney and got back into a bit of running and found that that sort of structure of running was really good for herself and her mental health um, and has continued on in Melbourne and joined up with Peter Fortune's group went from 203 down to 201 uh, at what was a really exciting Vic Miles club meet with uh, George Griffith and Morgan Mitchell yeah. um, and it's just gone three. from strength to
0: strength yeah. really yeah. that big three has been important for Australian yeah. running, hasn't it
1: yeah I think as we've always talked about and again you'll get sick of us but when you get that groundswell in an event of people right around the same really high-end area you know, you, you push everyone pushes each other to, to a new level uh, inherently and you know that Katrina her sort of standard go-to has been front running. Um, um, and it's something she practiced at the state champs with some pretty cool sort of, I guess, mucking around with splits, sort of going yeah. 30, 30, 33, 30 um, in a, I think, in the final at, at state champs. Which, yeah, I guess maybe people underestimated how hard that is to do. Um, you know, is not an athlete who has phenomenal 400 metre speed. Um, maybe, it's not bad. It's not it, bad, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so she got through her heat. Um, sort of without issue and just soloed 203 and then we saw Griffith and, and Mitchell get through their heat as well um, and McGowan got
0: through as well so we, so we sort of had all the, all
1: the usual suspects there for the final
0: Yeah look, um, maybe because of management issues we didn't get to talk to Kat afterwards so probably the fee the <laughs> was too high uh, but we did catch up with Georgia um, after her heat so we'll listen from, for Georgia Griffith what she had to say after her heat and that comes up now
10: in second place, Georgia, well done on getting the through the um, heat you. there of oh, the
3: 800. <laughs> it's it's going to be a great field in the yeah. final, isn't it?
2: it will be um, uber place, competitive. So many, yeah, really good depth. Australian so champion.
3: nervous, but will be Georgia. exciting
2: for Sunday. Yeah. yeah.
3: So yeah. your plan was to, just to get out there and get the win tonight?
2: Yeah. yeah. It's, always it's always sort of a nice confidence training boost training, going into the final on Sunday, getting a good heat run in, and that's sort of my goal for today
3: yeah well you did well but what was it a 204 205
2: i think yeah yeah. this is william brown what are you hoping time wise for the final it's always so hard to predict um how the final will go um you're hoping they go out hard or i think i would prefer a hard one um yeah no slower than 60 um for the final because yeah, that makes it a lot more exciting as opposed to, three yeah. Um, to but there's, yeah, lots of really good gels, So I'm, in this I'm sure it will is be.
0: Yeah. All the pace will be on. And now let's roll on to Kat. So her assessment of her run, as you said, playing around with the ways of doing it, front le- or front run as she has mm. notoriously now in most of her events. So this is what Kat's assessment of her heat was.
8: Hi. Hey. Hey. Nice job out there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I felt pretty comfortable just rolling around. Yeah, no doubt you are going to get through right from the start, just to get yeah. on and lead your way through the race. Yeah, I didn't want to get into any trouble. Um, yeah. How comfortable uh, did it feel? Um, I felt really comfortable, actually. Like, coming through the final, I was, like, surprised that it was quite fast. Like, um, coming through the first 200, it was, like... 27, 28, I was like, oh, I should probably slow down a little bit. I wasn't looking at the clock. What did you go
3: through the 400? Exactly 60 flat. Yeah, uh,
8: okay. So I slowed down a bit and then just kept just like slowing down a little bit. <laughs> were you having a look and seeing how far they were behind? No, I didn't. stage I didn't... I forgot they had those out there. I was just like, I'll probably be okay. I just keep going hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what are you expecting in the final? Um, I'm just... Well, this is my first time making it a final. Um, yeah, i just having like a... I don't know, I've already run a really good time this season with the 2 one so I'm just... Everything's just a bonus now. Yeah. All I wanted was that World Unis qualifier, so like... You've exceeded your expectations already. Yeah, exactly. Anything now is a it. Everything I do is just like, oh wow, okay. I just ran two or three in the heat. That's okay. Yep, okay. Everything's a shock. What's your secret? (laughs) My secret? Oh, I have no idea. I probably (laughs) probably had a cut with something. (laughs) 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 If I had a bit more time, but I don't know. Just like, what have you been doing differently? Differently. I don't know, I guess it's taking myself a bit more seriously. I feel like it's been really hard.
7: Because so um, on I only kind of started training properly, really, since coming outside. to Melbourne,
8: like two years ago,
7: so running Victoria, with
8: sport, um, And, yeah, and just being able to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get that massage, or I'm going to see a sports psych, or I'm going to do this or that, miles. and not feel weird about it. Yeah, yeah. And just be like, yeah, no, I deserve this. Like, I don't need to be running at a certain level she deserves to to, to go get a massage or that kind of thing and and then that just builds into builds on itself more and more confidence and more yeah yeah.
0: so coming into the final and look a lot of people are still saying oh you know it's really Georgia's race um kat you know has run wonderfully and really does like the front run but that could really suit georgia too because she doesn't have to do much of the work she can just let cat roll through in a 60.
1: Yeah, and the, the one we sort of forget about, or some people might not be as aware about there, is Carly Thomas as yes, well. Don't who underestimate her. He's yeah. probably the closest thing I've seen to a tactical savant, yeah, ever. Um, in the sense that tactical her runs savant, I like that too. Uh, her runs at World Under Twenties were ridiculous. I've I've never seen someone so calmly just decimate heats and semis at what is literally the highest level of comp for yeah. your age. Virginia, yeah. um, there was a pretty funny moment when we were over there where Jemima Russell, one of her teammates, a Victorian, had run a semi and I don't think she got through it looked like, but she'd run a PB. So that flashed up on the board and Carly was being walked out for her f- semi. Um, usually a pretty high pressure moment for an athlete. No, nope, jogged over, gave Jemima a hug, congratulated her, said she was so excited for her and Jemima sort of confusedly, lactically said, don't you have a semi right now? Yeah. And Carly sort of went, oh, right. That, yep, that's me, and sort of jogged back over and calmly got through a semi. And I, just someone that really seems to enjoy her running, that's and good. someone that doesn't, you know, it's, not, it's definitely not a burden, but, you know, it was obviously the silver medalist at the World Under 20 Champs, um, had run 201 and, you know, split 51 4, I think it was, in the 4x4 there to get Australia a medal. She's and, he's, yeah, is incredible over a number of distances. Um, hadn't been at quite the same level um, in Australia this year. Had been very good. Um, but, yeah, there, there were a lot of plot lines coming into that
0: final. Yeah, but how did it pan out?
1: Um, I think the tough thing for Katrina was she knew that if it, it looked like the pace was going to sag off, she had to pick it up um, because it wasn't going to benefit her to go through. in. But it you know... never sagged off, did it? Not really. There, there was sort of a group there um, through sort of 150, and it sort of looked like... You know Griffith and Mitchell and and Carly sort of didn't quite grab the lead, and I think yeah, Katrina's now in a sort of space where it's interesting. We've sort of spoken about how. In Australia, leading in distance events is sometimes seen as a negative, whereas in places like the US and the UK, it's seen as being able to dictate
0: terms. And yeah, you know. but also, and I honestly think we're building that dependence on paces. Mm. And they're always saying, oh, I'm not going to run if you don't get a pacer for me and all that. What's Katrina Bissett just done in the last <laughs> couple of weeks? He's shown yeah, that so if you've got a bit of ticker um, and you can control the pace from the front and mm. you've, got, you've done the training to do it, you can produce big times.
1: Yeah, so and she, win the national championship. Yeah, she rolled through in 60.3, um, which she did joke in her post race interview, worried her a little as she thought it might not have been quite quick enough. Right. Um, but yeah, put in a sort of 29 mid um, split from four to six, um, came home, and look, I was I I'm far too biased. I was losing my marbles in the stands with um, Justin Rinaldi and Steve Nucky. And we were, oh, you were counting the dollars? Wait, well. <laughs> of zero is still zero for anyone playing along at home. Um, But, yeah, got the win and... Look, she's a special athlete, but I, I don't think even Peter Fortune had quite expected a World no. Championships qualifier leading from the front,
0: running the second lap And that is amazing, in 60 point one. Leading from the front. This is very Tamsin-esque, isn't it? Yeah. Know, yeah,
1: and it, she does idolise Tamsin a little, and she got to meet Tamsin during the week, which was pretty cute. Um, and they, got, yeah, they sort of, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. congratulated it, it, it sort of each other. It reminded me of someone like Tamsin who just, yeah. you know, just went out there and did it. Um, yeah, so two flat point four eight. So, uh, World Championships the qualifier. Obviously, with the win at Nationals. Yeah, with the mm-hmm. win at Nationals. And so, that means she's off to Doha if she can keep herself fit. Yeah. Not get injured. So, that's an absolutely, I'd say, stunning result, Sean Whip. Yeah, I was pretty over the moon for her and it's, it's just
1: awesome to see someone who's who's such a positive person and, and who is so, so good to the group around her and you know is so appreciative of the work that you know her coach Peter Fortune and all the girls yeah. down at training oh, sort of put in to help her out.
0: What, what a squad of girls Yeah and also
1: so. the involvement I guess Melbourne Uni have as well in yep. supporting her through strength and conditioning and, and stuff yep. like that as well exactly. so she was over the moon.
0: We'll talk about second and third in a tick but what did Katrina then go and do at the University Games in Sydney this weekend?
1: Uh, yeah so Australian Uni Nationals for Athletics were on this week Week. Um, Which was good to be a standalone event. Usually yeah, us- usually, yeah, usually it's a bit of a party-fueled uh, uh, week.
0: The drunk fest up on the Gold Coast, but can now be. It's, uh, it was, yeah, it was the same event.
1: Um, and we did see a few national types back up for it. Yep. Often, a lot of those athletes, you know, they're supported by their uni, so they go
0: and support them at those events. Well, my gut feel going in, I saw Cat training at Olympic Park on Monday night, mm. um, just Monday, Tuesday night, uh, just after you know having won the mm-hmm. national champion, and she was training hard, and I thought, ah. Oh, Gee, I don't know how mentally you <laughs> get yourself up to go to Sydney again. She's no, not
1: really one to do things in half measures is the problem. I think Fort yeah. usually tries to put the brakes on it as opposed yeah.
0: to encouraging her. But yeah, she was going, and, you know, she was here with Gigi and Chant mm. and, and all those and mm. they, they were training really nicely and I thought, gee, I don't know how you're going to try and reproduce that 200.48. Mm. Yeah,
1: it, it would be tough coming off that sort of high. Um, what'd she do? Well, she yeah, she ran through the heat and I think it was 211 or something, yeah, yeah so no big deal. Um, and I think Fort, had sort of said to her look you know have a you know if you feel up to it you know go through in 59 and see how you feel and i think she was quite spurred on by helping out george griffith and georgia Hansen in getting those world uni games marks yep. yeah they all get along very well um yeah rolled through in 57.97 Whoa. for the first lap uh very sort of as you do um it, it's and just funny she's not a very
0: good 400 runner or not
1: <laughs> she might be i think maybe it's just the blocks um but yeah, rolled through in that, and was probably I think sort of 128 low at 600. And I know we had our resident commentator Matt Lynch up there. He was on the call, and weirdly, because Uni Nationals is not you now it's it's a, it's new as a standalone event. There's not really any footage other than I've seen sort no, of the last
0: no live streaming.
1: Or anything, no, I've no. seen the last 200 off of you know an iPhone <laughs> sort of Someone in the camera. Um, yeah. and yeah, it, yeah, Katrina has this phenomenal sort of mindset where. Yeah, she's not going to ease up and jog it in, sort of thinks I may as well try and get all the tenths and hundredths out of being yeah. fit that I can, you know, seize the moment and, um, yeah, managed to be the first person in just on a decade, um, first Australian woman to go under two minutes since, yeah, 10 years ago, 159.78. Um, yeah. Where's it put her
0: on the all-time? Puts her fourth, fourth um, on the all-time. all-time. That's amazing. Um, where, she, where was she on the all-time, say, 12 months ago? Uh, maybe
1: 40. Yeah. yeah it would have been a fair way back because I think she would have still been in sort of the, the 2.9 yeah. sort of space um, which is yeah you know, is an okay run and, and even 2.03 is a, is a good run and it's competitive yeah, but 2.01's pretty good 2.01's too. pretty good yeah, 2.0 flat puts you in the ballpark. in a
0: different world altogether
1: yeah is pretty exciting and I think yeah it might take you a little bit of time for it to all sink in
0: but, um... So, who else is under? There'd be Charlene Tams and... Crowley, Crowley, I Mark think. Crowley, yeah. Yeah, who was an yeah. Olympic finalist in 1500? Yeah. How does that put you, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, it's it's pretty, yeah, illustrious company to be in. Like, you've got Madeline Pape, Susan Andrews, um, and another Char- New South yeah. It yeah. starts with A, I think. I can't recall. Uh, boot or or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, you know, it's it's not a big club under right. under two minutes and it's you know it's often been seen as something you do need to you yeah. know, being a big race overseas to do.
0: Um, but yet again she's done the might and power. She's just gone out by herself, carved it out and she must be in that groove. And I think, you know, for middle distance runners, you know when you're in that, you know, she'd be hitting 600 and thinking okay all i have to do now is a 30 or a, a 29 yeah. and i can do it i've done it before yeah i think
1: you know the more times you put yourself in that yeah. situation the, the, the more times that you think oh yeah. i've done this and, and she yeah. is someone who loves a hard training session and you know that sort of transferal from i guess our distance background is you know if your training sessions sometimes feel a bit harder than your races mentally then you know you get to that point and you think i oh, may as well give it Might give well. it a go see what happens
0: yeah good yeah so look well done, Katrina. Uh, well done, Fort. Well done also to the support network she's got, as you said, Melbourne, uni, yourself, the rest of the girls in the group, because I know that's a big dynamic. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, to get the sub to, I think, when most of us didn't, we thought, well, she's probably going to, might get there. And mm-hmm. we honestly think Georgia will do it too. And I think yeah. this is great for Georgia. Yeah. If Kat can do it, Georgia can do it. Yeah. She came second in the national final. Not far behind, 2.0126. Yep. Third place, Morgan Mitchell. (laughs) 2.0160. For all those doubters out there, bugger off. (laughs) She is the real deal. She came home like a freight train. And it was, oh, it was just, you know, look, we were overawed by Cat, and it was awesome, but Georgia did not give up and was trying to challenge, and Morgan just got on the coattails and came through. Um, Awesome. What What a race. I was already saying, Sean, a really busy week, but let's uh, shine a light now on some of the throws events. Uh, starting with women's hammer throw, so a win there. Yeah, so... a uh so, Alexandra Hallier, a junior
1: who's progressed through to really dominate the open ranks in the hammer throw, got the win in 65 49. Uh, Lauren Bruce of New Zealand was second in 58 73. The second Australian was our, our very own Steph Ratcliffe from Doncaster. She got uh, she got silver in the open championships with 56 54. And, oh, I do apologise if I pronounce this wrong. Um, Kaysan Hockey um, was the third Australian in 56 18.
0: Beautiful. Um you reckon Steph would be happy with that? Fifty six, fifty four. I think. So. I think that's the
1: first year in open
0: comp for the hammer. So also well, ex- you're looking to at Mendez. Um, is that potentially her first year up as well? Possibly. Four yeah. Seven, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So she's coming six, and also Emma Werner. Yeah. Isabella Simonelli in there as well. Yeah. Emma was. I talked to Emma after the uh, the meet too, or after the throw. Mm. And she was really happy with yeah. her competition. So that's good. Yeah. Simonelli in there as well. So some good performances by. the the girls there in the hammer but alexander harley a bit shy of the world chance qualifier which is 71, 71 meters 71 yeah and she's got 65 so a bit of work to do there all right men's hammer throw what have we got there it's a win new south wales costa kasparas yeah good greek name mm. uh yet again 65 meters but obviously a different weight Mm. yeah so 76 is actually the world championships qualifier so gee Hugh Peacock there Tasmanian in second that's interesting usually a javelin man yeah so he's come through for the hammer so a bit multidisciplinary there Mm. and our very own Ned Webley, we will
1: claim that one Ned very uh, cool to see Ned back on the scene after a long time with some pretty nagging injuries and uh, just a short lead in too yeah, to, to nab a yeah.
0: bronze in the national titles. So. And I think,
1: as, as I understand, he's, he's sort of totally changed, you know, approaches to training and diet, diet and, you know, especially the, the things yeah. he does. And um, awesome to see him getting some results.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So a third and a bronze there for Ned Weavley. All right, next event we'll look at will be the women's discus throws. There's a little bit of interest for us in that one. Yeah, we uh, we do have a few Victorians where we're a fan of in that one. Yeah, um, so Kim Mulhall obviously is um, is definitely one of our. Favorites, so so Kim's come through, and she's got the silver medal. But who beat her?
1: Uh, Taron uh who I think uh, Kim would know well from junior teams and such, or maybe a little bit off on specific teams, but was a very yeah, good junior age. as well. Yeah, yeah so Taron got the win in fifty six thirty eight to snag that all-important Oceania qualifier. Um, Kim was second in 54-94 uh, and in third was Kea
0: Talasaga um, yeah, with a throw of fifty ninety-seven. Yeah, now talking to Kim post the state chance where she had, uh, you know, record number of wins, mm. uh, it was you know really trying to get up towards that 60-meter, mark Mark uh, World champs calls sixty one twenty, and But the Oceania are 56, uh, a little bit, about a metre shy of that. She's the type who really needs to get that qualified, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think it's tricky as well in, obviously, you know, Samuels didn't compete at the meet. Um, Do we know why? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, you can only sort of speculate that it might be injury or, or other events coming up. Um, but, yeah, when there is sort of that enormous gap between like an absolutely world-class, yeah. you know, medalist hope and then so sort of that national field, um, you know, you've really got to just, I guess, stay positive as that group that's a little bit behind and know that maybe with that persistence it is possible it just does take some time to, yep. to edge up towards a more uh, global standard. Cool. But in the men's
0: discus, totally different story there.
1: Yeah so men's disc is pretty exciting um, I managed to park myself Close enough to the cage um, To heal the grunts help, Helping out some some high jumpers and ensuring they Got to the call room on time um, So corresponding events but yeah Managed to spot that Denny, Matt Denny The Queenslander was pretty late in his series of throws um, And it's always cool To see in the throws the crowd engagement and we managed to
0: get that on the last throw. So 65 metres is the world champs qual.
1: Yeah, so Denny had had a foul in round five and was really trying to let loose. Um, yeah, obviously he had quite a lead on Mitchell Cooper, um, who ended up taking Silver and Lachlan Page, who took third. But he absolutely let it rip on the third one and let out quite a yell. And mm, throw it out to 65-28 to grab that all-important world champs qualifier on a very clutch so last throw. And the crowd, the, the crowd did go bananas when the distance got read out, so it was. It was very cool to see and and he really got to sort of celebrate that and and savour that Um, so Matt Denny took the win in 65 28, uh, second Mitchell Cooper in 59 75 and Lachlan
0: Page was third with a throw of 54 74. So our state champion Nick Dyson came in in sixth position uh, 52 49 and Michael Vassilopoulos a former state champion uh, 49 76 alright so looking now at the shot put competition so, what was happening there? The women's shot put, we've got Victoria I was from New Zealand. Which there. means
1: national champion
0: is Amber Berg. You'll claim that one, won't you?
1: <laughs> from our uh, probably, probably takes the win every year For furthest travelled uh, state yep. team member Pops down from uh, Swan Hill yeah, well, This is awesome for
0: Emma isn't it yeah. Did you expect that sure
1: I, Look I know, you know Peter Barrett's been coaching her for
0: Quite some time <laughs> So, Hang on let's stop there Peter Barrett's not now got an open national champion I oh, believe he does. That if if is, my if my sources are correct, that is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, Pete, you know, long-standing servant of our sport. Yeah, it's a oft-used term, yep. but you know, Pete does everything in the Bendigo area, mm. and uh, now to have a national champion under his wing—that's,
1: I like it. Yeah, that. that's that's crazy. Like you know, you've, you've got to look at the fact that Emma is 2001 born, so she's she's yeah. turning 18 this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's thrown it out to fourteen twenty-four for the win. Um, Victoria overs from overs from New Zealand one with fifteen eighty-seven. And Taryn Golshuski, who we mentioned before, with the discus, took third with a throw of fourteen oh eight. It's
0: still a fair way from even the Oceania qualifying, though, isn't it? So, yeah, probably a little bit of work to do on that event group. I'd yeah,
1: say. but cool, cool for Emma to get sort of that reinforcement, I guess, yeah. for you know competing up and, and having a crack and and getting a senior national title, which is which is huge. So hopefully that spurs oh. her on to continue, you know, chipping away at it.
0: How would it not? I reckon it's no one you have got to manage. <laughs> <laughs> Add it to the list, Sean. Whip. Chuck them on the books. Yeah, chuck them on the books. Fifteen percent of nothing, as you know, is okay. nothing. Uh,
1: Men was a little bit of a different kettle of fish in terms of the international contingent. Yeah. Um, it so doesn't Tom get. Walsh, it know, doesn't get much bigger. No, literally. Literally. Um, Tom Walsh first throw turns up. Throws twenty one seventy six to break uh, the meat record. No stress. Um, proceeded to go through with an outrageous series of throws. <laughs> that is outrageous. He went 20... These are all 21s. Went 21, 76, 46, 91, 45, 76, and
0: 46. And the World Champs qualifier is 20.7. Yeah, so
1: he's gone gone over there... What's that? Three times. So three World Champs qualifiers in a series. Um, Yeah, he is a staggering power in the, the shot
0: put world. Yeah, they're, they're actually all over the World Champs qualifiers, aren't they? Every one uh, of them. Yeah, it's oh, 20.
1: yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. 2070, 20, not yeah. 21. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, so a whole series over the World Championship standard. And yeah. I think it really is something, especially if you're not really involved in field events or throws, to see how quickly these guys move across the circle. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about guys that are anywhere from 100 to 130 kilos, and they move across that circle with an absolute...
0: Ferocity That you you don't really See elsewhere Yeah yeah, now Damon Birkenhead, uh, he's coming in second position Taking the state or the national championship Yeah, 19. so he's kept
1: chipping away Hasn't kept chipping away, quite yeah. hit the national sort of record standard that he's had previously no. No. Um, But yeah, it's a technical event I think you, know, you build through the season And he might be building through gym programming and that sort of thing as well Or technical changes with you know, an eye to Doha later in the year Yeah, well that's right
0: Well, you know, Damon's got a best of 21-35, uh, which is the Australian record mm-hmm. So a little way off that But he's got the Oceania champs to look forward to yeah, so hopefully that gives him some
1: some warm weather in, in late June to have a throw in. Um, and in... Oh, hang on. We had a German in there. in uh in, you pronounce this one. I'm going to assume it's it's Jan uh, Ushed Or Jushed. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Or Ushede? Eh? I don't I've know. Got a New Zealander. And then we've got a New Zealander in Ryan Ballantyne. So once you finally click through where the Australian medals landed here, you had Damien Birkenhead taking the title with a throw of 1979. Uh, and then you have the junior moving up, Aidan Harvey, um, who did represent Australia at the World Under-20s. Only got two throws um, due to four fouls following that. Um, he threw 1740. Um, and Matthew Cowie was third in 1708. He's
0: Victorian registered, so we'll take him. Did compete for WA the thing, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take him. All right, so Shane Carstairs is also in there. Also, Todd Hodgetts uh, representing Victoria. Yep, and a previous Victorian junior superstar, and Jesse Aisi, who does live about 10 minutes from the border, so does sometimes compete for South Australia. Excellent, so there's our coverage of the throws at the national champs. One of the remarkable things about the whole week too, Sean, is that incorporation of the para-athletes, the ambulance and paras, wheelchairs, Mm -hmm. Uh, and also this year they introduced a new event for cerebral palsy kids as well, or adults the, I think the 30s yeah, yeah the uh, which is the race walking race, or race running race yeah. running which they're in and sort of strapped into a bike sort of situation yeah
1: so I, I from the research we've sort of done in leading up to the event it's pretty popular in Europe and yeah. there's like a pretty established set of comps for it and it is something that the World Power Athletics body are looking to put in as like a, a world championship event yeah.
0: Um, and yeah it's like a got a lot of crowded guys kind of like a walking frame, a walking frame slash yeah. bike so they're so, actually propelling themselves with their legs yeah so, so I guess if you are going 10 to the dozen. Mm. They are moving yeah. along and they're trying so, to propel the bike or the front. Yeah, so obviously forward. for athletes that
1: do have um, leg function still um, but maybe have limited uh, yeah, well muscular got, power yes, with, in terms of propelling yourself in running, yeah, yeah you yeah. can still do it with the, the assistance of a frame. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to watch, you know, what is obviously a new foray into a yeah. new event.
0: Yeah, the, the key that I saw with that one, though, was getting their direction right when they started because suddenly one yeah. of the were right out to the next lane yeah. and they had to straighten her up a bit, yeah. straight she got straightened up fairly quickly. So. Yeah,
1: so I think that'll be cool to see how that evolves, and, and hopefully that can get some more people who might be, you know, more attracted to what is sort of like an assisted running side of the sport yeah. into it. Yeah, now we won't
0: go into all the details and all the results, but we you know, a lot of our regulars, like Dana Crease were up there, and uh, mm-hmm. we did get some interviews, some really good interviews. Marty Jackson you know, he's you know, just very a very positive, positive man Oh, he's a positive man, and Lisa caught up with Marty Yeah, so tell me
3: about the comp, and are you happy with it?
13: Um, look, considering the week I've had, I'm very happy coming into this. So all the, all the preparation we came in a week out, I tore my calf and, um, we did everything we could So, just treating it and icing it all the way through and just tried to find something that we could replicate in comp just to. Yeah, today it wasn't about really chasing uh, PBs or anything like that. We've got those qualifiers yeah. in place, and uh, didn't want to really do any more damage. But just sort of learning what I could do and how far I could take it, and um, without, you know, pushing it. So yeah, while I, I was a little conservative today, and probably the first five rounds were, you know, way off for, for where I am. And but um, look, in the last round, I saw, you know, I'm 0.2 of a percent out of that second place, and that competitive blood certainly um, flows through the veins. And, you know, I pushed it safely and uh, went out to like 1389, which, you know, gave me the the second place and another A qualifier. So we'll finish the national series with um, seven A qualifiers. And I think a lot of people would love to be in that position. Absolutely. Um, I'm very happy to be there. So I walked away without any further injuries. Silver medal in the national championships and another A. Yeah, Yeah. very happy.
0: Another one we see regular, uh, particularly at Milo's Club, uh, setting records left, right and centre is Kirsty Newcomb. So mm-hmm. Kirsty, we haven't talked to her before on, on the podcast, uh, comes from Colac, travels a lot to get to comps, represents the Chilwell Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this conversation that Lisa had with Kirsty, you hear a lot more about her, her busy year, her busy life in athletics and just how many records she goes around setting, you know, usually under the radar.
3: Hi Kirsty. Hi. You've had a big program this week at Nationals.
10: Tell me a little bit about it. Well yesterday I did the 400 in the morning and the 1500 in the afternoon. 400 I made a personal best by about half a second so I did a 110.8 and I got fourth. I just missed out by about 3% on getting a medal. First time ever getting that close in the 400 and then I had the 1500 in the afternoon and I won the silver medal And then I had the 800 today and I came fourth and was two seconds slower than my personal best and did a 251. That's fantastic, amazing job. Now, you were telling me that the fields are much bigger this year. Um, The fields are basically double than what they were a year ago. In the 400, there was eight girls a year ago. Now there's 15 girls. In the 1500, there was three girls a year ago and now there's five. And in the 800, instead of five girls, there's, there's eight.
3: So, Well, you've had a fantastic year yourself. Um, tell me how many records you've broken this
10: year. I've broken 14 Australian records. I've also broken nine personal bests. Over across 400, 800, 1500, 3K, my personal best. How amazing.
3: Well, congratulations on a fantastic season, and we'll look forward to seeing what you can bring to the table next year
10: and i look
0: forward to competing next year as well. And final interview is with Daniel Malone who you know goes down as being one of the most polite and lovely guys to talk to. So a little chat to Daniel here just after he would learned about running another PB in the 15 which is a bit of a common theme for him at the moment isn't it Sean? PB after PB. And <laughs>
1: yeah, he's you know and he's he's moving into territory for the t20s where you know distant distance events are events for them that are that are paralympic events and whilst he's still a little ways yeah. off that um he's just been scything through his pbs to get faster and faster and you know it's, it's cool the way um all of his training is is definitely implemented with the the knox group uh, or knox athletic club group as well and you know it's just awesome to see a, a young guy get more
0: confident with each run yeah so this is what he had to say
3: Daniel Malone, saw you celebrate as you come across the line there. Yeah, I got a um,
0: PB. Um, Nick,
11: Nick, Nick Iwaito said I got, got a PB, so yeah. I'm very proud of myself.
3: But was it a 424,
11: 425, somewhere around there? Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. That's exciting. It is. It's really, really good.
3: We saw you run a PB at Milers Club. Yep. Not that long ago. Yep. And you've smashed that again.
11: Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. So um, I'm really, really proud of myself, so... You should be. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, congratulations. Thank you. It's great to see you out there doing so well.
7: Oh, thank you.
0: So as we said, we're not going to go into great detail, but Kirsty said a couple of really pertinent things about the, uh, the comp this year, Sean. She was saying that basically most of the fields that she competes in doubled in number.
1: Yeah, so I think we're definitely seeing a, I guess, a boom in in para-aths. You know, it's it's very often, it it had been Victoria and New South Wales with the bigger numbers, but we're really seeing a lot of other states get involved as well. And I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of para-athletes aren't often aware of the scope that athletics has for them and the number of classes and classifications that are available. So, you know, um, I guess for some people where they might not be enough to make a team event or for there to be you know one of the team
0: para sports available um athletics is sort of always there yeah and look i've just ventured into this now i've got um another blinky as he calls her Nellie mitchell <laughs> yeah. she had her first experience of nationals yeah. um this a, year a vision impaired athlete vision for anyone impaired, playing on yeah. at home so yeah jared was quite excited that there was a another yeah, like yeah. In the same category as is jared Okay, uh, yeah. So, and the same classification, sorry. Yeah. And uh, interesting experience for Nelly because uh, she won the 1500 quite clearly mm-hmm. and then didn't walk away with a medal, so a little bit disappointed. Yeah. but so, we have to explain, yeah. well, why is that so? And it is because of the different Yeah, the MDS scaling. Yeah. yeah, it's all to do with the scaling, and, mm. and then backed up and did a really good 800. I was really happy with Kelly mm. because, you know, fairly, you know, she's in her 40s, but um, fairly new to running track, and it's been a nice little progression for her, and she'll yeah. now like a lot of them, like, um, you know, when you look at Georgia Pounding and uh, Erica Gosney and mm. those types, they'll all be heading up to Darwin soon. Yeah, for a few, a few games. games. Yeah. And, um, that is a really wonderful opportunity. Yet yeah. again, when we look at Nelly's progression, mm. this is the next step. Okay, you've done this and this at yeah. nationals. Now what are we going to and do? And also you're... act as a, a international classification
1: opportunity for those who are eligible for it. That's um, often great. that's really difficult because it's a ver- you have to basically fly the classifiers out internationally yeah. to do it. Um, and there's time constraints around that. So, yeah, I guess that's always an interesting sort of topic
0: and, and how many spots are available and how many people can sort of be progressed on. Yeah, exactly. That's the yeah, part and parcel why Nellie's headed to Darwin to, mm. to get the classification because yep. she's pretty serious and we yeah. we then look once she's classified, what are the opportunities for her moving through exactly, yeah. to you know the IPC or to the Paralympics? Mm. So that's um, yeah. Yet again, great to see the Paras there. They bring a lot to the comp: the coaches, mm. um, the athletes, and the families. And uh, it made for a, a wonderful week of athletics up there in Sydney juniors where do we start Sean, and where do we finish this we, we could be uh, another 24 we, hours yeah, it, it's it's yeah
1: and no no discredit to any of the juniors that we did have compete um, especially in a in a management sense from from the state team it, it is awesome to see you know that scope of kids that are making their very first state team and are are thrilled to be there and and get a taste for national competition all the way through to the much more experienced juniors who've got their own sets of goals and then some juniors who are, you know, well ahead of their age group and, uh, you know, really putting their names up in
0: in bright lights per se. All right. Now, he's not Victorian, but what did you think of Sasha Zoya and his (laughs) performances during Pretty... Pretty
1: outrageous week, um, yeah. A bit of a pole vaulting slash sprinting slash hurdling um, threat, and yeah, broke the under eighteen uh, world record or world best, sorry for uh, for pole vault in clearing five fifty six, which um, would have won him the open championship. It would he have. He did compete in the Open Championship. But he didn't did. He no-heighted, but yeah. I think he was a bit tired by that point in the week because he also yeah, did the Open men's 100, including his yeah. age group's 200, yeah. which he won, and his age group's 100-metre hurdles, yeah. which he ran the third fastest time ever over youth, or under-18 as they'd call them, specifications, and broke the
0: world age best for 16-year-olds. So Yeah, and my takeaway from watching that hurdles was it reminded me of a lot of Sally at her best.
1: Yeah, and the hard thing for a guy like Sasha is he's he basically clears clears the entire field by the yeah. first hurdle. So he's, he's sort of running these races, you know, as a bit of a time trial. And the the big question is, you know, how quick could he go in a sort of full field. So that then runs into our next very mini query with a guy like him and and similarly the topic came up with Eddie and Keita earlier in the week, you know, is, is how much we may or may not see of those guys in green and gold um, as you know Sasha has options in terms yeah, of French representation and does, in New he'd be Zealand of losing, wouldn't it, after Oh yeah, yeah. and he has been a guy who when interviewed has said he does want to compete for Australia um, but I think there are a few factors at play there with the French um, sort of bidding for him, I guess. Yeah, um, a
0: bit and, of and money, I suppose. Yeah, and I think and, and that's... And he's got to look after his best interests. And yeah, yeah. As we know, there's not a huge honey pot of found no. uh, in
1: Australia. But time. I think, um, yeah, by all
0: accounts, Imagine that'll be he a... he footballer.
1: A How much true. That week? will be a decision we might hear a bit more about in December, I okay, think. Okay, great. But, um, yeah, in terms be, of uh, yeah. our juniors, yeah, however, go for it. Um, I think we, you know, we wanted to highlight the, the pole vaulting women's uh, prowess, yep. um, Cassidy Bradshaw uh, broke the meat record in her age group um, and
0: cleared, I think it was 4.15? Yep, and we're going to do a whole segment on Cassidy Bradshaw Yeah, she has
1: been that phenomenal yeah. um, but yeah, obviously you know, hats off to herself, Olivia Gross and Elisa Kensal as well, just yep. uh, really putting Victoria on the map for pole vault there, but yeah, we'll, we'll have a listen to, to Cassidy and, and see what she had to say about just her week
3: Well, you've had a big week of competition here at um, Nationals?
14: Yeah, I did the under-20 pole vault and the under-17 pole vault. So. Yep, tell us a bit
3: about your competitions.
14: Um, So under-20s was first. I had that on Monday and I came first in that and jumped four metres. And in under-17s, that was on Thursday, I won that as well and I jumped 4.15. So the under twenties was that was that intentionally just like a bit of a warm up competition or yeah we ended that just like feel like, for the track and the bags and just warm up I guess so it yeah. good decision. Yeah it was it was in the end it turned out to be a good decision to do that. So so is that something that you would normally do? Yeah I did that last year as well, just to warm up for my actual age group and just get used to everything. And what did you learn from doing that? Like the took you made you jump, um, jump, you jump, up, jump and
3: more successful in the next competition.
14: Yeah, it kind of like warms me up, an extra kind of like training session, I guess, and just makes me more comfortable with the run-up and everything. So, Did you learn anything about the track or...? Um, well, it's kind of like a faster track, so like your run-up has to be moved back and stuff, so it's good to know that before going into the actual comp. So you're
3: able to adjust that yeah. uh, to your comp? Yeah, that's And, and that's really work for you, you've jumped. Mm significantly higher really in yeah it was, hope, a, haven't you?
14: it was a 15 centimeter PB so yeah amazing yeah and I believe it was actually a meat record yeah I think it
3: was yeah how do you how, how does that make you feel knowing that you're actually um, on track probably to where you want to be I mean breaking a meat record must be inspiring for you
14: yeah that was I didn't even know I had the meat, I got it, I didn't know that I got it but like it's pretty good I mean I was excited to learn that so what can we see from you next season? What are your goals and aspirations? Um, well, obviously, I want to win another national title. And I want to just keep improving, get more PBs. And so, yeah. so do
3: you have kind of a height involved every time,
14: like in the back of your mind, every time you approach a new season? You get that year um, older.
3: Is that the way it works, or
14: not really? I kind of just aim to get a PB and just the best that I can do, I guess. And um, dad's coaching. Yeah. Dad. In a joint, yeah, dad and Hamish Nelson. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. How do you go with dad coaching it? Um, it's pretty good. It's it works well. So yeah, no tension at home. Not really. Daddy. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great.
0: But it's also important too to to listen to a dad and coach or co-coach, I suppose.
1: Yeah. So Hamish. Um, nelson i think it is down in geelong and and her, her dad both coach her and, and sort of the pole vault group down there in different aspects so cool to see them you know acknowledging their various skills and working together
0: yeah so we did also catch up with chris to talk about you know i think it just adds to what cassidy said about the preparation the use of the under, under 20 cob as mm. a lead into the under 17s and then getting you know the 15 centimeter pv in the under 17s which is pretty amazing that's mm. a big chunk
15: it was, um, that was a really good week where we decided to, to start with the under 20 comp and, and use that as a bit of a warm up and get things sort of fine tuned and then I think it was three days later the under 17s was the one that she wanted to jump properly in so she had a, things went as planned really.
3: Um, so you were saying you took the under 20 comp quite conservatively so yeah, yeah. Um, tell me what you were looking for um, and what you wanted to feel her to feel out there on the track and adjust.
15: Yeah I really wanted to feel that she could jump on any of the poles will be threw at her, and I think she probably jumped on five different poles in that comp, so she just gradually gripped up and gripped higher and, and moved up to slightly stiffer poles and did it quite gradually so she could get the feel for the transition. Um, and in the end, she jumped quite nice height, and she. And by the end of it, she was jumping quite nicely, so the whole idea was to get her into the, the zone where she felt like she was in a good place to, to jump high. Um,
3: and Cassidy was saying that she. it's also an opportunity um, to adjust your run up because um, it's
15: a faster track. It's, it's a much faster track I and mean, then the conditions were a bit sort of, on Monday they were really variable. There was a crosswind and it was a bit hard to do that. Um, I think we're lucky that we train in Geelong where there's crosswinds all the time and we're used to that sort of stuff compared with some other states where they, they have smoke and tailwinds all the time. Um, but no, we, um, we, we felt after, that, meet that, we had a, after that, that event that we had a, a good chance of um, jumping a little bit more aggressively on Thursday, which is what we did and she actually jumped the meet record, I believe. Yeah, she did. She jumped 4.05 to win the event and then she went to 4.15. I wasn't aware of what the meet record was, but she jumped 4.15, which was a PB, obviously, and um, she did it beautifully. Um, The exciting thing is that I didn't really coach her. She just really um, ran the meet herself. She's came back, I want to move up poles now, I want to do this, and so I didn't really have so much input, apart from just affirming what she was choosing to do.
3: That's what you want, though, mm. from your coach-athlete relationship, mm. isn't it? You yeah. actually yeah, yeah. want them to be able to um, be autonomous and make good decisions for themselves. Because you can't mm. always be there. No,
15: you can't be there all the time. And, and, and uh, I think there's a, there's a real sort of synergy because she obviously fell off my positive stuff. Um, but it was a bit like Cairns as well. We had a meeting in Cairns where we sort of basically got in the zone together and it was really good fun when that happens.
3: Um, so, Cassidy, this is her last um, competition.
15: Um, it is, yeah. There's an Oceania team thing, I think, which is in June, which um, we'll look at and see whether it fits in with her. I suppose it would be a good opportunity to practice a double peak thing and then coming up for the European summer, maybe. Yeah, um, absolutely. But again, I haven't spoken to her about it, so, you know, this is this is um, ground zero right now, so. Yeah, and
3: good um, international,
15: like, um, competition mm. practice as well. Yeah, it is. So I think there might be a look at that and see what we do and see how we go about yeah, a couple of weeks off and then come back after that, comp, which would would then affect the, the start of the domestic season again. And yeah. So, yeah. so it's quite interesting.
3: So, a challenge for Cassidy, but also a challenge for you as a coach.
15: Mm. Yeah, Just the, the prog- programming and stuff. But you, if it's going to happen in a few years' time, you want to get start getting, getting right. it right. So. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Mm. Well, that sounds awesome and congratulations. I'm um, coaching her to a big PB and a coach and a meet record. It's fantastic. Yeah,
15: thanks. It helps. It's a lot of fun.
0: What do you think about Fraser Simons? In the hurdles.
1: Fraser is is a guy that's uh, that's accelerated his progress um, pretty rapidly in the sense that he was always a good sprint hurdler as a, as a little sort of younger, younger junior, um, coached by Daniel Martin, who was a very good hurdler in his day as well. Um, and they basically had that chat a little while ago, maybe a season or two ago, that said, look, I'm not sure if you'll be quick enough over the 100 or tall enough for the the sprint high hurdles so how about we look at the four hurdles Um, and himself and that sort of training group of Angus C and Ross Hine um, has worked together really really well Um, and yeah he dominated the 400 hurdles in his age group and took out the national title um, similarly you know in that age group Ross Hine managed to medal um, with another former APS talent in Tom Willems um, yep. who is a former Xavier student um, you know getting the win there in the under 20 title in 47 76 I think it was and, and Ross joined the, the 47 second club as well which isn't bad for an 85 kilo rugby player uh, so yeah we, we sort of had an explosion there but the interesting thing with Fraser is you know, he, he boards down at Melbourne Grammar he's a Bendigo boy originally um, made my solid theory that all APS talent is regionally based um, they're, they're all pretty hard workers um, and yeah it was, it was awesome to see what had been a really big season for him culminate in a win there well, um, I also did have a chat to
0: him so mm. let's see what Fraser had to say about his
7: performance uh, obviously, the conditions
9: weren't great today, and I made a couple of errors through the third to, uh, 100 metres. So, so what,
3: what about the conditions? Why aren't they great today?
9: Uh, For me, personally, having a headwind on the top bend doesn't help with my stride pattern. So, obviously, we adapt and try to overcome that, and if it results in a slower time, it's all right. We've just got to try and make improvements,
3: uh,
9: in, improve my strength so that that doesn't become a factor in future races.
3: You really dominated out there today.
9: <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a confident run. I was also happy to have some of the boys push me pretty hard through the first 200, allowed me to set myself up to carry momentum through the back half of the race, which is typically my strongest part.
0: Interesting 5K too, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the, the takeaway from that is sort of threefold in the sense that Isaac Hine got the win from South Australia um, and was covered in what appeared to be well, at first. I thought, surely that 19-year-old does not have literally an entire body of artwork. Um, mm-hmm. And it turned out they were temporary tattoos um, and was sort of in tribute slash charity to his mum who passed away a few years ago from oh, cancer. Okay. Um, and he was raising money, so he'd raised a pretty substantial sort of couple of thousand dollars it's out so of South quite Australia an run for him. Yeah, so he was he was over the moon when he won. He was very excited, and um, the whole sort of South Australian team. Stuck around to watch him run that was were there And he had a really strong support crew um, The race played out pretty similar to the state champs Ed Marks led pretty doggedly And sort of from what we'd heard He'd been quite sick in the lead-in But sort of thought I'll give it a go anyway um, And also Archie Reid factored in there as well um, Pretty cool 5k group in the sense that You know we had other guys like Will Collins Broke 15 minutes as well um, And Ah oh, his name's escaped me the our favourite Diamond Valley uh, redhead who... Jack Eater. yeah, that's right. So we hadn't seen much of him because he'd been sort of injured yeah, through the he season, did. but he, he ran Another well back, under 15 yeah. minutes as well. We've got a nice little bunch coming through. Yeah, there. so effectively the point I'm trying to make there without stammering through too much of this podcast um, is that all those guys, except Isaac, return next year for the World Junior, year. and with yeah. those guys running in the fourteen thirties, um, you know, to take take home medals, fourteen fifteen is usually the World Under Twenty standard, and is not a ludicrous jump.
0: No, and uh, you know, we saw Ed run a pretty, you know, well balanced race mm. against Archie in the state championships, and yet again, he's gone to nationals and he's done something similar. Didn't get the win, came second. Yeah, didn't, didn't quite have the wheels that Isaac had. No, but that's fine. And let's, let's you know, he talks us through the race.
3: That was a great run. Thank
11: you very much.
3: You pretty much went out from the start.
11: Yeah, that's right. Um, needed to go out hard. Um, not too confident in my kick at the end. I've got a lot more endurance than I do speed. So my plan was to just go through hard for the first couple laps. Um, went through the first K pretty quickly and then eased it off a bit. And then tried to hold on. Then I was hoping that uh, I'd be able to burn off most of the competition um, about halfway through the race, and then pick it up again. But just got pipped. TV, So you nearly held up. Yeah, nearly. Nearly.
3: Yeah, yeah. It was a struggle down that front straight, wasn't it? Yeah.
11: It was coming at you around the bend. Yeah, I saw him on the TV did you behind know? me. Oh, you did. Yeah. Um, I heard the commentators saying that Isaac Haynes was closing the gap, and <laughs> got a bit worried. But no, I. It's all good fun, run a PV, six second PB, I think.
0: Can't do any better than that, can you? So any other big highlights for you, Sean, out of the juniors. You were managing that team, you would have seen some good, some bad, some indifferent, lots of emotion, lots of highs, lots of lows.
1: Yeah, I I think it's uh often a a bit of a chore. Well not really a chore, but yeah, some kids are more willing than others to jump in the relay. That's sort of the the factor of it. Um but it was awesome to see um, I'd say in sort of 95% of our relay teams, everyone was super keen, yeah. got straight into good it. results too. Think, yeah, overall? yeah. So we, we did have a, a four-by-one team that went in, basically ranked well outside the medals with some of the individual talents. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was in the under-18s and they, they took the win. So, awesome. yeah, you know, it's it's hard for these guys you know, and girls, if you're not familiar with it, they often, you know, haven't worked together a great deal or might have just worked together in being in repeated state teams mm-hmm. together. Um and, yeah, they sort of turn up to the relay track an hour and a half before their event if they don't have other events mixed in, which they often do. Um, and, yeah, just try and sort of figure out who's going to work best and get the best order and, and practice a little. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's really exciting because for a lot of those kids, they might not quite be an individual talent that's going to get a junior medal, but it can be a really big thing to get a, a team relay medal. Yeah. And that sense of being
0: in Team Vic is pretty mm. huge still, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the amount
1: yeah. of kids who want that uniform and play out yeah. of that uniform. I'd say similarly a, a little bit of a shout-out to... Um, Oh, I'm having a bad day names um Lucinda Rourke um, took the win in the 15 and the 3K um, and probably had a... I think it might have almost been like a 63, 62-second last lap in the 1500. It was a bit more tactical, but, gosh,
0: she has a set of wheels on her. We've mentioned her before because, Mm. you know, and I sort of ranted a little bit about (laughs) how other junior girls, and I still will rant and, you know, do do listen to me because I think I'm pretty well on the mark. But what we saw with her was going from states where she performed so well Going to nationals, what did she do? Replicated the whole thing. Oh yeah. Some of the others can't do that. They yeah. suddenly have that weight of expectation of going to nationals, and I'd noticed a couple of performances where they got beaten by girls that they could that weren't mm. near them in the state championships. Yeah. What does that I, say? I think
1: um, I think it was a really dominant performance from uh, from her throughout the weekend. Um, and yeah, I, I know we've said to touch on, to touch on juniors. Uh, the the one event we also should probably touch on, uh, which did get a bit caught up in that whole weekend of excitement, was also uh, a bit, bit of a shout out to uh, the steeplechasers in Victoria. We had uh, Stella Redford snagged second uh, behind Paige Campbell, um, which was a pretty exciting yeah, run for her, just near the ten minute mark. How could we and about the uh, <laughs> uh, it was a big run for uh, Matt Clark, but he fell on his own sword, as he admitted a little bit, um, and got caught up in the the heat and Leading a bit uh, excitedly at 8:30 pace, yep. um, and he ended up fifth, I think, overall, but fourth Australian. Good, by um, Buckingham in it, yeah, it Ben Buckingham, and yeah, Ben Buckingham managed to hang on for a for a yeah. silver behind Max Stevens, who's kind of got the mastery of that event down Yeah, at the well, moment,
0: Max is a great kid too, and you mm. know, well coached there by Adam over in South Australia. Yeah, watching that race, my what I thought was happening, Clarkey sort of dominated early, and then thought, okay, I'm going to take the pace off this. No,
1: nah, he, yeah. he did his little look down at his feet, and if you if yeah. you train with him often
0: enough, if he starts looking at his feet, he's
1: in You're a bit of trouble. trouble yeah, because
0: what that did is you had um, Clarkey leading, then you had Max, and mm. then you had Bucks right right on him, mm. and that threesome were just going round yeah. and round. And round and but and
1: just round. as per James mm. Nipperus, yep. if you give that man a sniff in. National final,
0: you are in trouble. Took and, it. and he he, did. he was probably as much as 40 metres behind at one stage. Yeah. And, and I'm
1: sorry, I've actually... I've yeah. misspoken there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah, James Nipper has got second, Ben yeah. hung on for third. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: Nipper came home like a train for second. But my comment to the person I was sitting next to was... Uh at one stage one, Nipper's gone. Mm. He's not going to come back in yeah. here. And then when I saw that the pace was going off with of Clarkie leading, mm. and you could just see Nipper just looking Just dragging up. himself yeah. back in. Dragging himself back in, and he got a sniff, as you say, and the rest is history. He came through, and he got a medal, um, uh, which were I think Clarkie ended up, what, fifth? There um was a
1: Japanese athlete in fourth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so he ended up fifth. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I guess hey, we tried to get him to say a little bit of context given it was his third run over the distance and still broke 8.50
0: so we've got a healthy pack of steeplechases there we certainly do so that's um yeah good to sorry we did forget that in the earlier coverage but uh what we'll move on to now is a little segment we're going to title the final words and we've got some interviews here that uh, feature people we've already talked about Mm -hmm. and the first one we want to throw forward here is Morgan Mitchell what's, um, what's the story behind this Sean
1: yeah I, I guess a lot of people might be aware that Morgan's been in the sport for a number of years um, but some people might not be as aware that a lot of her I guess development and a lot of what kept her in the sport was the impact of, of a pretty special guy out at Western Athletics um, Peter Burke and um, in the sense that you know, Morgan, you know, was was often one of those kids who we know all too well, who were very talented, but you know, couldn't afford to or couldn't manage to get to stuff in terms of driving or cost. Yeah. And Berkey, as he's affectionately known, and has a you know a really well coached group out there with the likes of you know your oh, Cody Hussie. Shanahan, Hussey,
0: <laughs> <Cashins>. <laughs> Cashin, Cashin, like, yeah, this goes on, and yeah, uh, you know, it's remarkable because uh, the night before this interview and the mm-hmm. night before this final, uh, the eight hundred final, which we already talked about, I was just sitting alone having a pizza in a restaurant. <laughs> Berkey wanders over and has a chat to me and it was a, a really enthralling 30 minutes or maybe 40 minutes of just chatting to a guy I know pretty well but he really did um, open up a fair bit about Morgan and the, the special relationship that exists and, um, and then to hear this interview from Morgan it just pulls all the pieces together Sean and um, what a great story, what a great man, what a great you know, woman too, I, I've got a lot of respect for Morgan, I mm. really respect what she's doing, what Liz is doing with her. But her understanding of what Berkey has done through those formative years and what he continues to do Mm. is not out of the picture. You know, it's a case of an athlete moving to a new coach, but the former coach is still a huge part of her life. So let's listen to Morgan.
16: Matthews has done very well. She's actually just yeah. kept me happy more than anything. And she understands our athletes, which is something I really appreciate. And Luke's been very supportive. And I think it's just that Matthews vibe. They're just an awesome family and they get it. They understand that you go through adversity, you have highs, you have lows. And they just deal with it very well. So, yeah, I've learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw
3: you hugging um, Pete before, your previous coach. Oh, you gonna sure.
16: cry. He... <laughs> No, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, actually, yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, Lisa, like, thanks, you're done. But I think it's just the fact that he's been there for me ever since I was nine, even when we did part ways. We um, we stayed very close. And, you know, you've got, I've got him in my corner, someone that just wanted to see me happy and succeed and flying me all around Australia <laughs> when I couldn't afford it. So he's been amazing. has been amazing. Yeah, he's cool. i tell of you. Yeah, no, it's honestly, I actually do owe probably 80% of my track career to Peter Burke, so I hope he reads this and I hope he's proud. I'm sure I could tell yeah. by the look on his face and yeah. he's very, very proud. He doesn't you. cry or swear yeah. ever, so if you can get him to
3: cry yeah. or swear, you've done well. Yeah, I think I saw a sneaky tear there. I did. I was like, yes!
0: <laughs> and Luke Matthews, we can't uh, finish the show without another word from Luke, so this is the post-race interview of Luke Matthews.
7: Right,
9: the the final final day? Day? Oh, yeah, miles. it's it, to be honest. I... Like I said to mum, I was prepared if it was going to be running 3.33 and I was prepared if it was going to be running 4 minutes with a 50 second last lap, so we've just been training
4: race, uh, training under race pace stuff sorry.
9: and what, it, what it's like to get lactic and what it's like to get lactic and keep running harder So no matter what situation I was ready but when I was leading the first 800 I was licking my lips and I was like, I'm, this has just played out perfectly and you are tossing up whether 8 or 15, why Why'd you go 15 in the end? I think going forward for Tokyo and World Champs, if I'm going to make a final and get a medal, it's probably going to be 1500. I can't run 45 seconds, 44 seconds for 400, so
13: I probably need to go up, but that being said, it
9: was still pretty tough last night to watch that 800. <laughs>
13: you're always going to get challenged at some point there, Luke, so at Ramsey...
9: Yeah, well look, I think... I think there's a lot of things to consider. Even though I won the national championships, just then, our best 50, coming up to be one of our best 500 meter runners, Stu McSwain, has been sick. So, if he had been in that race, he would not be messing around with two laps to go. So, and then there was um, Ramsden was a bit under the weather. He had World Cross Country last week, and then look, it's April, World Champs are in October. So Gregson is probably going to rise to a new level. Not to mention that we've got people like Ollie Hall at college, Morgan McDonald. So it's good competition and. I might have just got
0: people on an off day and I just ran really good, so that still doesn't mean that I'm the best 1500 meter in Australia, it just means that I won today. And let's round out this segment with a chat with Kat Bissett. Why
1: not, Sean? Why not? She's had a a hell of a week and um, yeah, we get to hear her thoughts um, on post-national final here. I completely had no idea I was going to do that.
8: Even coming through the 400. I was like, oh, it's 49, I'm oh, sorry, 59, 60, okay, you just got to hold on. I got a bit scared, I think, coming through seeing that sort of 60 second time, So I wanted to go through a little bit faster. So I kicked down <laughs> around the um, 400 to go, and then was just like, hey, I just got to keep holding on to this. Um, and yeah, and then coming through, I was, oh man, I'm just shocked.
7: Did you saw the clock? Yeah.
8: Go, yeah. I was shocked that no one got me in the hundred. I was running scared the whole time because <laughs> I knew that like Carly would be right behind me. But yeah, I had no idea I'd get a qualifier. That yeah. was completely not in the plan <laughs> for the year.
13: What was the plan? Just
8: go back to uni and work and just <laughs> just be normal with this club runner. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been crazy. So.
7: You've come a long way in a short period of time. What sparked um, that in the last six
8: months? Um, I think, like I was telling Lisa a little bit about it before, I think just deciding that I want to take running a bit more seriously. Like I think I've been very much like, just uni and work come first, and like I love the running so much, so obviously it would seep in and become like a, a priority around there, but just like thinking of myself as, more of an elite athlete and be like, yeah I'm gonna go see a physio, I'm gonna go get a a C dietitian, I'll get a regular blood test, I'll just start behaving like an elite athlete yeah. and then see what happens. So yeah, I think I've always struggled with that identity thing of the last few years because it has happened so quickly. Just being like, look like I can think of myself an elite runner. I can do all this stuff, I'm allowed to. It's not just for the people who I think are like quote elite people, so yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I had a bit of a weird background. So I, um, so I went to nationals last year and then I had to hit, had the year before as well. But like before that, I think the last time I went to nationals, I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I, ra- I was a bit of an early bloomer and um, I ran like a 58 for the 400 when I was about 12. <laughs> and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the last... Couple years, I just decided to take up running more seriously again because it was so good for my health, my mental health. Like I was going through a really bad patch of just these horrible cycles of depression around my undergrad, Um, and then found that like the crazy routine of running was extremely good for that. And then I guess, guess like um, guess I'm pretty good at it. What are you?
12: What are you studying at uni?
8: I'm doing a master of architecture and a diploma of Chinese language. So I'm doing a, yeah, double degree in that.
15: Fantastic. At Melbourne?
8: At Melbourne Uni, yeah. When
15: yeah. you say, oh, sorry, you're going through these and was yeah. that like the
13: stress of or
8: what was it? Um, I think it was a lot of things. Like, I think through my childhood I had a lot of issues with pain disorders and um, just these, yeah, anxiety. I've always had horrible problems with anxiety. I still do now. Like, I have a really good sports psychologist now. called Michael Inglis from The Mind Room. And, just, yeah, I've just been, um, yeah. I guess I just had a lot of stuff that I wasn't dealing with as a kid, um, and then it got all cool, kind of came to a head when I was living by myself out of home, <laughs> in a, that really stressful environment of uni. But yeah, yeah. And so now it's come out of the other side of that now. Mm-hmm. Was it a pretty dark place, but of still dark place by the,
13: so it by the south of it, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's
8: been a really big passion of mine as well recently, like being really open about it. <laughs> Like I used to be very, very closed off, but now I feel like I always have this responsibility to be really like, just candid about that sort of, I don't know, last <laughs> 10, or, 10 or so years of my life where I've been quite up and down mental health-wise, and, and I think in athletics it's really difficult. Like I think there's so much uh, mental health stuff that gets sort of brushed under the carpet. It's like, oh, it's just you want to be skinny for the competition, or like it's just the pressure. Everyone has the pressure on them, but it's like... There's a line there between <laughs> general anxiety and and um, yeah and and something a bit more
0: sinister. But yeah. So some great interviews and once again a big, big thank you to Lucifer Stratton. Uh, this show we'd really struggle, wouldn't it, Sean, without her and we went Interview lists a couple of weeks ago, and it just wasn't quite the same. But with World Cross, luckily Lisa was there, and yet again, here, you know, she was putting on the media vest, and despite uh, the fact she was coaching and doing other things. Yeah, but I was all over the place in terms of just picking up people left, right, and centre for interviews. Yeah, and that's awesome. So thanks so much, Lisa, because it really uh, it helps the listening audience in Victoria and those that follow the podcast to really get, um, you know, into the thoughts and the minds of the runners. We don't hear so much from them, do we? There are. I don't think there's any other conduit of getting information or getting the voices of these athletes out there to athletic fans. <laughs> there should be. There should but, be. Uh
1: we try and do our best to, you know, have those talks with people who, you know, otherwise you just wouldn't
0: hear from. No, oh, well, I suppose, yet again, it's hashtag Vicks do it better. Sean, I think we're just about there, but we will close off with a few other results that have happened around the country and the world. Melissa Duncan, what did she get up to on the weekend? Uh, She had her first outing for her corporate Japanese team,
1: uh, Shiseido. She ran at the Kanaguri Relays, um, which I think it's called that, but it's actually just a track, mate. Um, Mostly distance (laughs) events. in Japan around um, 15.20 A largely solo run To qualify
0: for the world championships Yeah, so that's the world champs qualifier. She yeah. just missed, didn't she, I think at in, Geelong, Geelong. Yeah. Yeah, so in Geelong Yeah, just missed in Geelong She's and, got um, the mark And she's got the Australian national championship Yeah, so
1: that's her off to Doha um, And she also beat uh, a Kenyan lady Whose name escapes me currently Who got third at um, the World Half Marathon championships last year And it's around about 66 minutes So in that's good
0: shape a fair scalp So mm. well done, Penelizor. We will sort of be tracking in on what she's doing in She's now there quite a few yeah, At least since October, I think, yeah. yeah. A, bit of a bit of a brave new world for Australian distance yeah. running. Yeah. All right, let's 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 pull it back. Actually, I want to stay overseas. New, Ze- new Zealand mountain running champs. You would have been interested in those results there. I must admit I was a little distracted over the weekend, but oh. fill me in, Tim. All right. What happened? So Australia got a 1-2 in the women's event, so Simone Brick and Lauren Starr went 1-2 in the New Zealand champs. Very August good. August very well for the world champs campaign later this year in Argentina to beat the Kiwis, who are a bloody solid... No hill runners, uh, but this was an up and down, which is what mm-hmm. this year's world champs is. So yep. Simone and Lauren both in great shape as they start to hone in on that world championship later in the year. Also back in Australian Nick Earle, what's he been up to? Yeah. <laughs> for the
1: hell of it, I guess, and what is a couple of thousand dollars, won the Canberra Marathon in about 220 and ran point-to-point all by himself. Um, Interesting to note, Josh Torley did run 226, um, maybe a junior that I'd much like to see back on the track if you've run 345 and sub 810 and, you know, 29 odd for 5k uh, I mean for 10k please
0: return to the track well I did see that and yeah I won't say anything Uh, the 50k at Canberra was taken out by Ash Watson so that's the Australian Uh, 50k national record I believe was it yeah the what dog Yeah, get around him well I'm not surprised this guy can run he's a good runner yeah bloody good runner so um ash is going up to the ultras there and taking out the australian 50 and taking the national record i think i double check but that did seem to be the social media preamble excellent all right so that's a wrap then on episode 14 it is huge and you know hopefully you've got time out there to listen through most of it um (laughs) because there is yeah. look we had a lot to talk about it's national Mm. chance
1: yeah i think it was it was do that. I think if we had missed out anything, if we were, you know, avoiding any events, it, it'd be a disservice to a week that was. Um, exactly. and well, look, we couldn't go into the juniors as much as we would no. want to, but yeah, we simply do. But one event group we shall not be doing any disservices, Tim, is the pro-running community, because we have the biggest event of the year right around the corner. Yeah, and look, what are
0: we doing for that? We're going to do a podcast to preview the store gift, Yep. and we will have a little bit of a catch-up post-store gift too to go through mm. some of the results. So. And it's not just you and me prattling away about the store gift. No. Who have we got in for that? Yeah, well, Aaron Downs is going to come in. Uh, we're getting some inside info from other sources around mm. the... Uh, those in the bro- know. Those in the know. So, as a result, Sean Whip will be sacked for the next uh, podcast. On break. Yes, you on break. Off to, off to holiday, off to holiday off to at the, the office. Yes, <laughs> you're on the bench for the next one, Sean. But mm. um, hopefully we can produce a fairly good and, and you know, a nice little um, coverage of what is going to happen on mm. what is a big weekend at store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, this gets international focus. It's a big thing. and $40,000. Know, yeah, as we heard from Maddie Coates, she's heading there. There'll be a lot of names we know, and uh, it'll be interesting just to have a chat about it and then to summarise at the end. Mm. Um, but also, you know, when we do our next podcast, we will be uh, looking at other results that are happening around the country, mm-hmm. around the world, and uh, probably we'll pick out a few more of those university games results as well, Sean. True. So thanks once again. Thanks to the listeners for hanging in on this one. It's been long, but you what an important podcast it is because we're covering such big topics at the National Champs, which has such big bearing on the World Championships and also the Oceania's and on Naples for the World Uni Games. So I'll talk to you again soon, Sean Whip, and thanks so much for your contributions. Thanks for having me, Tim, and uh, to all our loyal listeners, we
1: hope uh, this podcast was full of good info for you.